RDTDaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. Hi, everyone. What's going on? We're back. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you so much for joining me. We're trying to do a daily show, and I, I really appreciate that you are, I'm putting out the challenge for a patron, a new patron for a new show, and we're, you guys are meeting it. You're meeting and exceeding my expectations. I'm really grateful for that. I want to thank, well, let's see. Let me open my patron page. Tonight's show is brought to us by John. John C., a new patron. Thank you so much, John, for taking that extra step to become a patron. This is how we're going to win. To keep the show going and to have a daily show that is worthy to stand up to the corporate the corporate media in general from both sides so i'm uh, yeah i'm getting some hope sometimes my hope is <laughs> my hope is slim to none but thank goodness we're in this together and we're not all down at the same time also, Jim, I want to thank you. Thank you for your super chat. Right off the bat, we have Jim. So if you're in any other, if you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on Twitch or on pa Periscope, come on over to the RDT Daily Media, uh, well, the RDT Daily YouTube channel. So that's youtube.com slash C for channel and RDT Daily Media, and join us in the chat. So far, let's see who's in the chat. We only have, who's in the goddamn chat? Not many people here yet. This is the problem, having a show that doesn't have a set time. It's better when we have a consistent time where people show up uh, and, know, and know that we're going to be live. I've been starting the show at 8 o'clock, so that's good. Here comes Haiku. This, the show will, f <laughs> will f uh, start filling up. And anyway, it doesn't matter. We do it anyway. Like I say, we always do it anyway. You don't wait for the perfect moment. You just keep moving forward. I'm, only, I'm laughing to myself because I'm waiting for more people, really, to come into the chat. And because uh, I want to play... Um, I received a phone call on the RDT Daily, well, on the Tara Buster call-in line. You can leave a message for me if you, sometimes we don't have the phones on, like I didn't turn them on tonight. Saturday, we'll have Bob Kincaid will be on the show. So I'll have the phones open. <clears throat> and anyway, sometimes, even if the phones aren't open, you can leave a message at the RDT, well, why do I keep saying RDT? Because that's the website, but it's the, um, it really is the Tara Buster hotline. And I'm trying to get the number here. It's 360-777-6007. And I, you know, we get, I get calls. And one of the, my favorite callers 
is Michael Deason. He is a tower buster. He's a longtime patron, probably one of the originals. And he's he's not happy with me lately. <laughs> um, let me fix the camera. It's not it's not focused again. So I'll play it, and we can fill everybody in later. So let me play Michael's. It's a good place. It's really a good starting place, a jumping off place to have a conversation. I'm glad he 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 calls in and tells me what he thinks. It does keep me. It, it makes me think. But he's also he's not happy. He thinks uh, he's not sure if he wants to continue being a patron. I hope he does, but. Um, you know, because he is one of our longest supporters. And <laughs> anyway, let me play what he has to say, and then we'll talk about it, because maybe you agree with him. Let's see. Here we go. Uh, yes, Terry Michael Deason again. Uh, 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 I'm calling because the show has gotten really... <laughs> Wait. Boring. <laughs> Boring. What? Uh, I, I feel that uh, that you're bitter. <laughs> well, that's true. Because blacks didn't vote for Bernie. Mm, Why do bit. I say that? Because you poo-pooed the Black Lives Matter movement. Me? You poo-pooed the down and those statues, and you poo-pooed the taking down the flag. And you said that uh, don't lose sight. But what's really happening, which we haven't, but police have been killing black people since since we've been in this country. So that's our first goal. Cause we had to just the other day. I'm looking at the the Ezekiel McClain killing, Eliza McClain, 23 mm -hmm. year old black kid just walking home from the store. Police yes. killed him. He, he he used to go and, and play the violin for the animals on his lunch break. Mm. So you saying that, that, that we have to worry about restoring the middle class. Okay, let's say we restore the middle class and we still get killed by police. And we all got jobs. I got a job because I'm still contributing to your show. But, uh, but, but, but I'm starting to get to the point where yeah. I feel that you're upset because blacks didn't vote for Bernie, and this is all you harp on. <laughs> and I'm starting to wonder if I should just unsubscribe to you and stop paying this money to this Patreon, mm. because I feel that you are. I'm not you taking this personal. I didn't I get upset because cause blacks didn't want a little bit more. I mean, you know, I'm black too, but I'm not upset like you are to where you <laughs> the taking down of the Confederate flags do mean something to black people. Yes, it means something to me too. My daughter lived in Balbasta, Georgia. She moved because she said she was sick of seeing those flags. Yeah, I'm I was sick in of Marines and I saw them. I was sick of them. I want them all it down. It means nothing to you. You yes. know, blacks want respect first. Mm. We won't be able to walk to a store well, without having to get killed or worrying about the police. You don't have to feel that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to That's know true. that. 
Absolutely. So what's we store in the middle class if we get killed? We World War One, they was lynching us in uniform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tulsa. <clears throat> so I'm really, you know, that's why I'm calling because I, I want to. I'm trying to hang in there, but but you're losing me. Oh boy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have another black friend. He stopped listening to your show. Oh. He was like, hmm, you know, uh, and I, I've been feeling like that. So finally, I'm calling to say, hey, another you know, black you're friend. You're taking it very, very personal. Then you call Barack a Republican. I say he's a moderate Democrat. Don't you think you you might be practicing white supremacy because blacks ain't doing what you want? I'm just asking Me? a question. And if you are upset hmm. about that, then at least admit it. You don't have to admit it to the public, but when you're at home by yourself, say, you dang right I'm upset with the black community for not voting. Get it out of your system so that you can have a, a better show than a better show. I'm just, I like, as you say, I'm just expressing my No, opinion. I'm glad. You know. And like I say, I'm gonna just try one more time, but I, I, I feel that I'm gonna have to unsubscribe. I turn people on to your show, but uh, oh, right man. now I don't think I'm gonna do it right now because <laughs> okay. you, you're, you're extremely bitter. This show is not like it started out. Oh man! Yeah. I mean, you getting on Joy Reid about who? Blacks. We have, we are starting to evolve, but blacks were very anti-gay. It was because of the black church. So what she was saying, it wasn't surprising to me. Maybe you need to meet more black oh, people. Oh, Joy Reid. You wouldn't be so upset. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you need to talk to Eddie Glide Jr. I didn't appreciate what you said about him. I, you know. Eddie Glide Jr. called Tiffany Cross. There's a lot of blacks who's talking about racism, white supremacy. Our goal is to get rid of that first. I, was, I mean, getting a job and then you get killed by police. I mean, we, wow. Mm-hmm. But you coming in from the white side. Maybe. You ain't well, putting yourself probably. in our position. Then maybe if you did, you wouldn't poo-poo to taking down a flag. I'm not poo-pooing it. a lot it. of blacks I want that shit down. Of that flag. Of course. After the Civil War, during the lynching days, that flag was out. They never lived long enough to see I've... that those flags was taken down, those statues are being taken down. That's what we're talking about. I, Cause like you I hate those statues. kneeling by Pelosi and them. I really didn't like that because ah. there's a lot of blacks who would have never thought that day would come. Mm. Okay. But you're looking at it from your white perspective, and I guess Probably. that's the way it's going to be. Instead of you looking at it from a human being perspective. I'm trying to look at and it as a human being. That's what this is all about. Black didn't mm. vote for Bernie. You took it personal and you still upset about that. So now you making cracks at Joy Reid. Yeah. You're making them at Barack, but you really want to say it about the black community. Nah, not really. That's I don't how know. I feel. That's what I'm starting to I've been thinking this quite a while and I'm sixty three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You and that, that's it. That's my opinion. All right. I'm glad you shared. That's it. how I feel. And then I, I would listen to one more show. And then, all right. You know, I hope you, you know, give it more I than one. Unsubscribe and, and all right. My I'm thing, very sorry. I can't do it no more. I'm really. I understand. You've been walking up to that line. You've been getting close, and you poo pooed the black movement. We ain't never had this kind of stuff. I'm right. poo pooing it. I'm out there with you. I'm not out. Thank I'm you not... very much. All right. Let me respond, but I appreciate that's Michael Deason. He's one of, 
and a longtime supporter, an original, an OG supporter. And let me respond. I get it. Yes, I'm looking at it from my perspective. Of course I am. I'm trying to look at it as the human perspective. Yes, and I do realize that, you know, that is my white privilege when the flashing lights of the police go off behind me. I'm not concerned that they're going to murder me. You know what I mean? I'm just pissed off that I'm going to get a ticket. And here's my perspective on what you're talking about. That is, it's not true. I'm not poo-pooing removing the statues and the flags. I hate those fucking flags and statues. And in fact, if you are an OG listener, which I know you are, you'll remember me telling the story of the Confederate flag in Calvary Cemetery that I made a point of ripping out of the ground and throwing in the garbage where it belongs. Because I don't know what the hell. All right, some Confederate loser and traitor is buried up here in the North. I'm sure there are a few of them. But there's no reason to put the flag of a loser, a traitor who went to war so other so rich people can own other human beings and i find it offensive i found that disgusting flag of losers and traitors uh, completely offensive as i find the statues offensive and i'm all for taking them down as far as but that's not the end of the story yes and i hear you what does it matter if we all have a job if blacks are getting killed that's not what i'm saying and if i have misrepresented what i'm what my uh, my perspective is thank you for giving me the for telling me and giving me the opportunity to clarify it i don't i don't think that that's uh you know, not an important, of course, important, yeah. But I believe you might have a, a different perspective, obviously, because you're living in this racist-ass country as a black person, as an African-American. So, but I think the way I'm looking at it is that the race, racial discord in this country is has always been about economics, and that is how they keep us divided. So, yes... We take down the statues. The reason those effing statues are up to begin with is because they're trying to keep people in their place and keep us divided. That is the biggest ruse they've played on the entire working class. And, and that's why I say, let's not lose perspective. Take those fucking statues down, of course. But that's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of the story if those statues if we had a country that worked for all to begin with black white gay straight whatever all of us together if we understood that we are in this together from the beginning those statues would have never gone up to begin with they only started going up when the jim crow south when people were you know uh trying to keep people in their place they didn't come they didn't put these statues up after the civil war they they are a 20th century invention and the 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 stinking flag of losers and traitors it is 
it's offensive to me too. And yeah, it's every black American who is killed by the police. All of that is part of the game that they, I mean, obviously not a game. If somebody is, it's not a game to somebody's, somebody's life, but it is the, the game that keeps us divided from the beginning. They have separated the working class along racial lines. They've used that to tickle racist funny bones. From the beginning, when Vance Muse was organizing against unions, saying you don't want to have to call some black person. Well, he said some N-word. Not that he didn't even say N-word. He said you're, he didn't want to call an N-word your brother. That's how they have continuously divided us. So the way I look at it is that, yeah, take those effing statues down. But that's like, it's in my view, it's like saying that Twitler is the problem when he is really a symptom of the bigger, the bigger problem in the system that has the, the, a broken system has made something, made this uh, Twitler possible. Same thing with the statues, the Confederate flags, all of that, and the police brutality against people of color. Because that whole thing of uh, the of the racist ass police force being armed, being unleashed on communities, is because I the way I view it, yes, from my perspective, is that. Our African-American brothers and sisters are like the canaries in the coal mine in the class war. So when they're uh, – what I'm trying to say is that, sure, okay, it's great that Nancy Pelosi kneeled. That's a great step. I'm sh- symbolism, it matters. Like it mattered to me when I was a young gay person – seeing gay people on television for the first time and they weren't uh you know um crazy people or being murdered or something that matters but it didn't change the laws it is a step in the right direction but i'm worried that they will propose the platitudes as the policy and yes i'm glad that Biden says he'll he'll pick a woman VP. All of that, the symbols matter. Yeah, but I'm afraid that the American people, most of them, will think that that's the policy. That's the end of the story there. And yeah, anyway, I don't know. Am I wrong with that? You 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 obviously have a different perspective. I'm sorry you're not telling people about the show. I'm sorry you feel that I am uh, not standing up properly for the African American community. I'm trying to do the best I can. I I th- I think it that kind of hurts me the most, frankly, because I do feel like I'm trying to. I, Ultimately, when we talk about leave no one behind, this is the game that they're playing. That's why we would, in my opinion, we would already have universal health care, universal higher education, if we, if not for the racist 
division that they play against, they divide and conquer the middle class along racial lines. And yeah, what's it matter if they're killing you, if you have a job? But the fact is, we people are working. Yeah, you're working three uniquely American low-paying jobs without what you might. I don't know. You said you're in your 60s. So I I don't know your economic circumstances, but this country is the least upwardly mobile. The 80% of the American people live check to check. And into that racial, into that uh, upward immobility, they divide and conquer us along racial lines. It's like what James Baldwin said. Even the most, the lowest of the the poorest and most desperate white person in the South can say, oh, at least I am not black. And they could kick down on somebody lower on the ladder. And what I try to advocate for here, because I believe it is, that's unifying. That's how we will evolve and and come together and have a country that works for all. If we leave no one behind instead of looking at each other as African Americans or Irish Americans or whatever, we are Americans. And, and that is also, it's not just a symbolic statement. It is, and, uh, it is a policy that can rectify the economic injustice. So, and is it because blacks didn't vote for Bernie? I don't, if, if that's um, what I'm feeling, I don't think it's, it's un, I mean, it's unconscious. Because I'm not sitting around, <laughs> like he said, just get it out of your system. <laughs> what am I going to say? I don't know. All right. I hope that you do what you got to do, Michael. I get it. If you don't want to support the show anymore, that's fine. You can go, you can watch Joy Reid. She and 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 I'm supposed to excuse her homophobia because that was because of the black church. You know what I mean? That's another story for another time. I am offended by the the disgusting statues to racists and traitors. It's a, what kind of country puts up statues to people who took up arms against this country. You know? But I'm a little sick of people, uh, of the platitudes, of the talk. Yes, black people are getting killed in this country. That is the truth. It's been happening from the minute, from the, from the, the country's inception but it has always been an economic game that they've played on people, on this, on everybody. And yeah, your the, the African American brothers and sisters are the ones on the front lines. You're right. What I there's nothing I can do to change my upbringing. I was born into this country. The way I I look like this, you know what I mean. <laughs> It ain't no, uh, it's not a cakewalk either, but I get it. Anyway. Because I just feel like it is, I'm not the only one. It's not just me. It's not Tara's rules of uh, racial 
Harmony. Who else said this? Not not just me. MLK said this. This is the kind of talk that got him shot and killed. <clears throat> well, for instance, let me play now that we're on an, on the subject too. I don't know if you guys saw a couple of days ago on Fox um on Fox News the one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement <clears throat> his name is Hawk. Oops. Look, <laughs> wrong button. Maybe I just got sick of it all. It was just like bye. And I just was like bye. See ya. So his name is Hawk Newsom, and he was on, he had a contentious appearance on Fox News. And honestly, it was great. I was cheering. And he models how everybody should speak to these Fox News bots. And I loved his, his, the courage of his convictions and the fact that he's not, he will not apologize for being right. And what he says is, because now the right-wingers are what they do, as we know, they conflate, they fe it's all about fear. Because Trump and the GOP, they want everybody to be afraid. Because Hawk Newsom says, yeah, if this system doesn't work, then we need to burn the system down. And replace it with a system that does work. And in my opinion, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it what I want to read into it. But I think that Hawk Newsom is talking about not just, he's not just talking about Nancy Pelosi kneeling. You know? Maybe he's talking about some policies. The system is the system. The system is, the, that's the system that kills people. That's the system that elevates traitors and losers. But it is a game, an economic game. So let's listen to Hawk Newsom. We had the highest growth in wealth, in property ownership. Think about the last few weeks. Since we started protesting, uh, there have been eight cops fired across the country. You remember they were telling us that there was due process. That's why the cop that choked Eric Gardner to death had kept his job and make, get, received raises for five years. Anytime a cop hurt a woman, hurt a child, hurt pregnant people, hurt our elders, there was always a call for due process. Right. You must wait. You must wait. But the moment people start destroying property, now cops can be fired automatically would sound the head of sorry guys i hit the fucking wrong button again chin down people's throats now that you have everyone wait 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 let me start this correctly sorry guys no wonder michael wants to stop being a patron what can i do though you know i'm hanging by a thread every day trying to do the best i can i i guess that's all of our everybody's dealing with but you know it's also Very reminds me too michael i i get it you know but like what kind of show do you i first of all i can't just do a show for you for michael even though i like i like when everybody likes the show 
And I like when we're, I guess, agreeing. It's good to know, though, what you're thinking, what other people are thinking. I get it, but I'm not, I'm really not a, um, so I'm somebody that doesn't really, uh, whether if, so what, Barack Obama, it, it, you don't like that I said that Barack Obama was a Republican? Well, he, show me where he, <laughs> where he wasn't uh, proposing Republican policies. I mean, anyway, we're in this boat because we have a right-wing Democratic Party that, that really behaves like a sane Republican Party. The stuff that we talk about on this show, it is not out of the ordinary. It's and in fact, you know, I talk about FDR Democrats. And what did FDR talk about? He of course, living wages, universal health care, right to a job, right to a house. And the the New Deal was was a they were able to pass the new deal because of the uh the racist in this country because in this racist ass country the new deal had to they had to craft it in a way that it left behind our african american brothers and sisters and it didn't say um no statues to to uh, harriet tubman no, it said they are barred from having the GI Bill and being able to invest their GI Bill in property. It's always been an economic game. So that's so they were able to pass the New Deal and get the buy-in of the racist-ass Southerners who, are, who at the time had a D after their name because they deliberately left our African-American brothers and sisters behind. And, of course, they militarize the police force, that, and then they unleash that police force unfettered on this downtrodden segment of our population. But... It's not because of statues. It's because of the economy. And the white people in this country are able to turn their backs on it because they're, they're fine. They're doing fine. They're able to get the GI Bill. But the fact is, that is always, that's the ruse. We're in this together. Everybody in. Nobody out. And I believe that that's, how they have always divided us, and which is why I always propose a remedy of leaving no one behind, of having of universal health care, universal higher education, universal living wages for everybody, regardless of pigment, regardless of, I don't know, economic circumstances, regardless of neighborhood. Funding schools through prop the property taxes is a racist policy. So Nancy Pelosi kneels. That's easy to do. Just like MLK said, it is easy 
to integrate a lunch counter. It's not so easy to call for or to enact the economic policies that are necessary. Otherwise, we're still going to... It's this, It's what I fear with Joe Biden. You know, we have a Twitter because the, in my opinion, the Democratic Party has jettisoned their FDR Democratic roots. We should have... In this country, if we want to shore up this country, we want to start healing our racial divide in this country, yes, we take the goddamn statues down, but we also enact economic policies, and that's going to be the hard part. Taking a statue down is easy, but we can't say that that's the end of the story. I know it's a relief just like I was relieved when I saw Ellen come out on her show as gay. Oh, finally. Because we all knew she was gay for years. Everybody knew it. Except those who didn't know, but all the gays knew it. We all knew she was gay. But it doesn't excuse the fact that she was in the closet for forever pretending she was in love Oh, no, that was, uh, that was Rosie O'Donnell, who would pretend she was in love with Tom Cruise, and who only came out of the closet when all the work was done, when people were, had to die, like Matthew Shepard, and when, wh where was she? When we were in the streets demanding change. She was in her nice little uh, closet, her gilded closet, so, and there are comedians that I know, like, for example, Kate Clinton, who was always out of the closet. And her career, she never became a mainstream comedian because she was always out. When Ellen was in the closet, if you go back on Ellen's and you watch her old comedy, it's really cringeworthy because she's talking about going on dates with guys and it's really pathetic. So, <clears throat> yeah, it takes, I don't know. We're, we're in this problem. We have this, this racist-ass country. The, why were black people brought to this country to begin with in chains? They weren't brought here because of statues or lack thereof. They were brought here because of the racist-ass economy. And how will we heal this country? And there will be bigots. Their hearts will be bigoted. There will be stupid people. We'll always have to contend with assholes. But it's about time. The reason we have the way, the way it is now with schools, the reason that they have good schools and bad schools, and I, I, I was watching something... Actually, one of the clips I grabbed, there were somewhere, I don't know, on MSNBC, they were all talking about, oh, what do we do about the good schools and the bad schools? Why do we have good schools and bad schools? What, oh, because they were talking about opening up in the pandemic. What, how are there, will there be a school year in September? What will you do? Oh, it's easy to say if you have all the resources, if you're in a school that has all the resources. Well, why do schools... Some schools have resources and some don't. Could that have anything to do with the racist-ass policy of funding schools through 
property taxes instead of the general fund. And that was a deliberate thing, a deliberate policy that isn't that didn't change when Nancy Pelosi took a knee, just like the laws didn't change when finally, you know, Ellen came out of the closet. It's a step in the right direction, but we don't stop there. Now we have to change the policies, in my opinion. So I am sorry if you don't like the show anymore. I have, you know, it hurts me. It makes me feel bad. I want you to like it. I want everybody to like it. I want everybody to, I don't know, do I want them to agree? I guess so, in a way. I would like to, I certainly don't, I think I've been misunderstood because I certainly hate statues to Confederate traitors and Confederate flags and all that shit. But yeah, there's nothing I can do to change my skin as you can yours and the time and country that we live in. Frankly, I wish I wasn't fucking born here. And you know that. So, but am I bitter? Maybe. I'm not about blacks not voting for Bernie. I just, I'm bitter about people being so stupid that they don't see the games that are being played. Not you. I'm not talking to Michael. I mean, the bigger picture that there are a bunch of assholes in this country. There are idiots that will fall for the oldest tricks in the book, like divide and conquer, the Trump and Z's, them, those one, those people. And, you know, the Fox News, the elites. Now, this woman, she's attacking... Uh, this the Black Lives Matter, one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter movement, Hank Newsom, taking his words, and I'm glad, because he said, let's burn the system down. Good. Good for him. And he doesn't back down. But, of course, he gave them a lot of red meat to chew on. Oh, why? Why? What they're doing is tickling racist funny bones, and they're going to get the dupes to be afraid of black people coming for whatever. They're coming for their, their stuff. That's what they're afraid of. But it's really the elites who are, they're, they're protecting their own interests. They have to keep people divided. So that's why you will never hear someone on Fox News say to... Let's say this uh, guy from Black Lives Matter say, when you say burn down the system, what what do you mean? The system that that keeps people divided, the system that it, it makes it so that the American people can't save four hundred dollars or can't retire or you know on and on. That system and the racist ass system. This is why we're. For example, like when AOC spoke about the New Deal, saying the racist aspects of the New Deal, and then the corporate media went all up her ass about it. Oh, she called the New Deal racist, (laughs) trying to dismiss it. So we never have this conversation. Yeah, there's racist policies, but it wasn't about statues. The New Deal said black people cannot use, they cannot uh, use their GI Bill money specifically to buy property. They weren't allowed. They were barred. 
from accumulating the uh, intergenerational wealth that white people have been able to accumulate. All of that is policy, but it wasn't about a statue. So anyway, whatever. What exactly is it that you hope to achieve through violence? Wow. See, ha you um, hear this question, the way she phrases it? What exactly do you hope to achieve through violence? And I'm glad he pushes back. Exactly is it that you hope to achieve through violence? <laughs> wow, um, it's interesting that you would pose the, that question like that because this country is built upon violence. What yep. was the American Revolution? Mm -hmm. uh, what's exactly? Our, 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 they weren't like, oh, please, please, King George, can we have our freedom? No. On violence. What was the American Revolution? Mm -hmm. uh, what's our 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 diplomacy across the globe. We go in and we blow up countries and we replace their leaders with leaders who we like. So for any American to accuse us of being violent, it's extremely hypocritical. Now, when we talk about but violence, you just we said talk in about that video, sir, just to, you, to you the, said, I we understand. Use, but we use, why are you screaming and not allowing I, me to talk, ma'am? Well, uh, you asked me a question, allow nice. me to answer. Go ahead. I'm in the process of answering. Ahead, I I'm won't listening. be that Absolutely. much Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. Uh, you asked what we hope to achieve. We're talking right. about self-defense. We're talking about four or five police officers choking someone to death and someone from the community having the training to intervene effectively. We're talking about saving lives. Nobody's talking about ambushing police officers. We're talking about protecting lives. And there's nothing more American than that. And when we talk about uplifting and upholding the Second Amendment, I think that you should be applauding me, the, seeing as though you guys are huge Absolutely. supporters of the Second Amendment. But it seems to be the hypocrisy of America that when black people start talking about arming themselves and defending mm -hmm. themselves, the talk is violence. But when white people grab assault rifles and go to our nation's, uh, their state's okay. capitals, it's all good. All right, first of all, you, I've never talked about my stance on the Second Amendment. Um, you know, that that's my, I'm not, criticizing you or praising you. You don't support the Second I'm Amendment? Only, you don't support I, the Second Amendment? That's not my role here to talk I'm about my I'm asking you a question. Do you support the Second Amendment? I, the Second Amendment is part of our Constitution. Do you support the Second Amendment? Yes or no? A lot of your Listen viewers would, would like to know if you support uh, the Second well, Amendment. Well, that's, that's fine. But, but that's not <laughs> why we're here. And what I, you, the only reason that I pose that for... The Second Amendment is part of our Constitution. Whatever, lady. What the fuck do you know? Look at this bitch. question to you um, the way that I did was that I, I watched you you know talking and on a bunch of different interviews today and you said burn it down you said burn it down it's time yeah bitch burn it down it's time burn it down oh so scary now she's her job is to tell all the Fox News victims slash viewers that black people are going to come to their their houses and burn their houses down that's what she that's not what he's talking about. What he said was if the system isn't working, we need to burn it down and replace it. Oh well, he gave them he gave them some red meat by saying burn it down. But what do you think? What do you expect? God damn. Yes, burn it down and let's not apologize for it. It's not working. 
when you have a system that is not working for everyone, then it's not working. If it's not working for some, it might be working for her and her her masters who pay her salary, the billionaires who own Fox News, who pay the millionaires to keep the working people at each other's throats, especially along racial lines. So it's working for her. So when he says burn down the system, you're goddamn right, burn it down. And if she was an American, if she was a patriot, she would agree. She would say, holy shit, there are many American experiences in this country that are equally valuable and... If it's not working for, if we have a country where 80% can't save $400 or 80% of the American people are living check to check, then that's not a system that's working and burn that system down. She should be saying burn it down. If this was a functioning system that had a true media as as prescribed in the Constitution that was there to inform the American people, then we would be having a sane conversation saying, holy shit, this country is now the least upwardly mobile in 40 years. How did that happen? And we are we have the widest income gap between rich and poor. And in fact, if you are born poor in this country now, you are more likely to remain poor than you than in any of our Western partners. Not in England, not in France or Germany. It used to be the opposite. We used to be the most upwardly mobile. So that's not a system that's working. And she should know that, being a corporate media mouthpiece, and she should be agreeing with him. Yeah, holy shit. The system's not working. How do we fix it? It's not because if it's not working for eighty percent of the American people, and it's it's not working for all of the American people, all of us, because we are in this together. God damn it! But that's not what she's there for. She's there to keep you know, tickle racist funny bones to make everyone afraid, all of her dumb-dumb, her Fox News victims to completely misconstrue everything he says and to give the illusion that if, if it is that you can't save $400 or millions go bankrupt without health care or whatever, all of the atrocious statistics that we cite all the time uh, it's all it's not because of the system it's because of you you're broken not the system you see we have a system look jeff bezos is going to be a trillionaire in 6 years how can the system be broken it's working for him so what's wrong with you what's your damage so in my opinion, if this was a functioning society, she would she would agree with him. Yeah, the system needs to change. We need to change this. There's nothing wrong with changing a system. I mean, if you're in your life, if things aren't working, if you're if you're a functioning adult, you make adjustments. 
So if your society does not work for the majority of the citizens, then you would think a sane society would fix it, to come together and fix it. But you see, once again, as I always say, this is, it is working. It's working as designed. That's the point. It is to keep the people down. They, they are dragging us back to, a ver- to the very system that the founders rebelled against and keeping the working class divided, especially along racial lines. That's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. So racism, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm wrong. As Michael Deason thinks I'm wrong, maybe I am. And I am looking at, I don't know, how. what other eyes can I look at? I'm trying to, I put myself in other people's places. I'm as outraged. I am outraged by George Floyd. I'm as outraged as by every disgusting racist incident in this country. I'm out there as well. So, I don't know. I just see the, that it's a, uh, there's more here than meets the eye. It's not, if, I wish, I wish it was just about statues. Wouldn't it make it easier? Wouldn't it be great if it was just taking down the statues and all of a sudden we were, we all had universal health care, universal higher education, we had living wages. Guess what? I, in other countries... They're capable of having societies that work for everybody where you, re- you really got to work your ass off to be homeless. And there is no excuse that we can't do something similar here. We are the richest country on earth. The only way, the only reason it doesn't work is because they have us divided and conquered. They've always done that. It's always been an economic game That's all they give a shit about. It's only about money. If it were, if this was some kind of bizarro world and it was beneficial for them to to make, uh, to say to their Fox News victims, to challenge them to look at themselves, to evolve out of their racist-ass archaic thinking then they would do it if, if there was an economic benefit to it for them. Now they are pretending to do it, and they don't even pretend that well. Because Trump can't go five minutes without saying something racist, as he's saying about Black Lives Matter. That, that When de Blasio wants to paint Black Lives Matter on Fifth Avenue in front of the, the tacky-ass gilded shithole one of Trump goddamn properties, which is locked down like Fort Knox. It's disgusting. When you walk down Fifth Avenue, it makes you want to puke. They have all these people standing around and cops, like they're going to war, like we're in fucking Fallujah because of a con man. There's a con man in the building. So they have all kinds of cement blocks around it and it's all cordoned off because of the con man. But he can't go five minutes. So de Blasio wants to paint Black Lives Matter down Fifth Avenue. And he says, 
it's uh he called it a terrorist group he can't while saying of course oh well the president believes of course black lives matter yeah, they mattered so much that he, him and his racist-ass dad put the letter C on applications, on African-American ap- applications to his tacky fucking, ho- not hotel, into his apartment. C for colored. That's why it matters. It matters to them. It matters in the way that they can ensure race race racist division and that's about economics too they don't want they don't want black people in their building because that's you know they're racist they think we're selling to other racists it's all about money when it comes down to it and yeah i keep when i keep hearing michael's criticism what does it matter if you have a job and you're getting killed? Well, I have a job and we're still getting killed out here. But that's that's sort of like the it's all it's you're crit- criticizing me for only looking through my own you know looking at it through my own perspective but yeah it's so what i have a job we have jobs i worked my whole life so i live in fucking queens new york you know what i mean and uh people uh i'm able to save four hundred dollars you know what i mean so i that doesn't mean that it's okay that the world the majority of americans are living check to check I don't know. We see the bigger picture here. There will always be racists. There will always be people who are bigoted. And the only the reason the cops are allowed to go and run rampant through African-American neighborhoods and beat down on people and kill them is because of the game, the economic game. It's always been about... So white people can look. I mean, during when they were stopping and frisking people, they never came to my neighborhood to stop and frisk. So, but I it enraged me when I, every morning I would hear, you heard Bloomberg on TV defending stop and frisk. And I could, and I would imagine, I was, I said, God help me if somebody ever stopped and frisked me because I would be enraged. I don't know what would happen. But they didn't do it. They don't come here. They don't do that. I get it. They're not doing it to my neighborhood or me, this white lady. But they're doing it because of the system, the broken ass system. The same way they went and they busted up Zuccotti Park. They did it because they were protesting the broken ass system it's economy it's the economy i don't know i'm in a fucking pissy mood now all right whatever michael Deason doesn't like me he thinks i'm bitter because 
blacks didn't b- vote for Bernie and I'm not respectful enough to Barack Obama. Whatever. I'm sorry, Michael. I enjoyed your friendship. So that makes me think I, that, I you wanna, it's, that you want to burn time. it down. I said if this country... If this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right. And I could be speaking phys- fit, uh, figuratively. Okay. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter yeah, of bitch. interpretation. Like, let's be very real. And, and, and let's observe the history of the 1960s. When black people were rioting, we had the highest growth in wealth and property ownership. Think about the last few weeks. Since we started protesting, uh, there have been eight cops fired across the country. You remember they were telling us that there was due process. That's why the cop that choked Eric Gardner to death had kept his job and make, get, received raises for five years. Anytime a cop hurt a woman, hurt a child, hurt pregnant people, hurt our elders, there was always a call for due process. You must wait. You must wait. But the moment people start destroying property, now cops can be fired automatically what what, exactly is this country uh rewarding what behavior is it listening to obviously not marching but when people Mm -hmm. get aggressive and they escalate their their protests the country listens cops get fired you feel like that's when you're getting results shut the fuck up you dismissive bitch you feel like that's when you're getting results no that's when we're getting results I, this is what I'm talking about. These people think it's not them. They just want everybody to go home and, and stay in their place. Stay in your place. Okay, we'll take down the statues. All right, leave us alone. Get back in your place. But it's only just begun. That's not the end of the story. So you could, we, the, the problem has always been about... And having an economy that works for all. Now you have police officers, you have Republican politicians talking about police reform. I don't condone, nor do I condemn rioting, but I'm just telling you what I observe. You're seeing, you're saying that in that, that that's what appears to be working and getting results right now, and maybe that is something for you know everybody to think about. Yeah. Um, I just want to oh, put wow. up this quote from think. Martin Luther King, and I've heard you talk about There's Martin Luther idea. King um, versus Malcolm. Oh God, X, here we go. He, you know, was an anomaly, Martin Luther King. Um, he said, let us be dissatisfied. This is how these filthy fascist Republicans have whitewashed Martin Luther King's legacy. They cherry pick. Let us all be dissatisfied until that day when nobody will shout white power, when nobody will shout black power, but everybody will talk about God's power and human power. So they went through all of his speeches to get something that will back what they say meaning what what he's what they're trying to say right here is all lives matter don't you see not black lives matter all lives matter the superior moral justification for not giving a shit about anybody else but yourself for taking the 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 statement black lives matter to for making it for somehow making yourself morally superior to it 
by telling people, I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear your shit. This is like Lester Maddox when we play the Lester Maddox clip of him going with when he was talking to Jim Jones. Was it Jim Jones? Yeah. That's the football player. That was Jim. All of a sudden I thought of the that cult leader. <laughs> That's Jim Jones too, isn't it? Jim Jones. Wait, football? Now is Michael has me all fucked up tonight. Yes, Jim. It's the same name, Jim Jones. I that, for a second I thought, wait, Jim Jones, Jim Brown, Jim Brown. Right. Thank you. I need my co-producers on the chat. Uh, but it was like when he was on uh, that show with Jim Brown. Excuse me. Lester Maddox would say, why don't you say all lives matter? What about all people? You talk about black people. What about all people? Like he's the paragon of all lives matter. Don't you see? I'm talking about all lives. And as I said back in the, when we played those videos, remember how Lester Maddox, this racist ass open and proud segregationist who shut down his own business because he didn't want to serve black people at a lunch counter. And he became some, the cause, he became a, a celebrity for that in the racist circles in the KKK. And he was the governor of Georgia, but he had the most diverse cabinet in the history of, uh, of the Georgian po politics up until that time. And he was very proud about all the the diverse people he had in his cat. Well, well, he called them them. I have I have a lot of them in the all around me. I got a lot of them. So he was very uh, he was quite forward thinking, I suppose, in that sense. But how did it change? Did anything change? By having a diverse cabinet? No, because they didn't do anything. And that's when Jim Brown said to him, did you get any pushback? You must have had some... Uh, uh, did you get any pushback from the racists in your community after uh, you doing all the positive things for black people? They must have... I mean, he was being, he was being cheeky, but point, making a point. Well, what did they, did you get any, uh, what was the pushback? You must have heard from the racists. They must have been angry with you for all the positive things you did for black people. Because he did nothing. He did shit for them. Nothing changed by having a couple of, of them in Lester Maddox's cabinet. That was before I was born. So, and here we are still. And in fact, back then, the middle class, we had a functioning middle class, yet it was functioning for white people. You know, white people were able to, to uh, have the American dream, but black people were systematically and legislatively left behind. And that's why black people and, uh, and others, not just black people, but people... We're like, we're not taking it anymore. The civil rights movement. They were fighting for a seat at the table. 
an economic seat at the table. It's always been about economics and keeping us divided like that. And I, that's why I'm always talking about we, you know, we have to have policies that work for everyone, that, uh, that apply to everyone across the board regardless. So we can start to heal that, that fucking bullshit. Anyway, listen Till to that him. day when nobody will shout white power, when nobody will shout black power, but everybody will talk about God's power and human power. God, you, Do you God, agree ugh. with that? God. I love the Lord. And my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the most famous black radical revolutionary yep. in history. There you and go. he was treated just like Dr. King. He was uh, arrested on occasion, and he was also cru crucified or mm -hmm. assassinated. This is what happens to black activists. We are killed by the government. Well, and, and if you need context, if you read your Bible, it'll say that Jesus had feet like burnt yep. brass and hair like wool. I don't know if you notice, but our hair seems to be more like wool, and we seem to be uh, likened to that color than anyone else. <laughs> and, you know, it's just the hypocrisy and the white supremacy in America and in the world that would show us portraits of a, a pasty white Jesus. Jesus was not <laughs> white. We all know this. There you go. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I think Jesus is uh, Jesus to all Christians. Um, Jesus, wait, wait. Him in so succinct. I think Jesus is Jesus to all Christians. That's what she says. Right. We all know this. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I think Jesus. That's the kind of, here, the exasperation. <sighs> okay. That's what it sounded like on MSNBC when Bernie won Nevada. <laughs> Oh, okay. He's one. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I think Jesus is uh, Jesus to all Christians. Um, I think Jesus is Jesus to all Christians. That's why you get the big bucks, lady. What a scintillating commentary. She really broke it down there. Uh, okay, I think Jesus is Jesus to all Christians. Wonderful. In, in imagery in different ways. Um, obviously, he was from... What different ways? He looks like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed swimmer. He's got a swimmer's physique. What blonde-haired, blue-eyed Middle East people are walking around? Middle East. We all know that. That's obvious. So, but, um, so, so he wasn't a white man. We all know that, right? I don't... Exactly. <laughs> and it's all propaganda. Who painted the pictures? It's all about, you know, it's propaganda. And this is why I always say shows like this are important. Because we have to, we're not, prop, it's not propaganda if you're talking about the truth. We are slicing through the idiocy that's all around us. That's trying to keep us down. I don't we all know see Jesus how wasn't he was white, Middle right? East. Yes, he was Middle East. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go. Thank you very so much. I, I, okay. that's great. He's like, oh my god. That's why I love this guy because he just. That's how you have to behave. You are on. We're on the right side of history and the right side of democracy and the right side of humanity. You do not give them an inch. You don't uh, meet them halfway. 
The truth is the truth, and it somehow always has a liberal bias. But you don't apologize for that. He is 100% correct, and he has the courage of his convictions, as we all should. You don't apologize. The system is broken. It needs to change. Burn it down? Maybe, I guess, In a, he probably, if he was, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if he used those words advisedly, but then if he said it, fine, good, stick to it. Yeah, burn it down. I'm talking figuratively. You don't like it? It's not working. It is not working. It's maybe working for you, lady. Obviously it is. She's doing well. How much does she get paid in her to 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 do nothing good for this country? To spout the party line. She is the Vichy collaborator in the class war against the entire American working class. That that's obvious. So, but, um, so, so he wasn't a white man. We all know that, right? I don't know how. I don't <laughs> we all know see Jesus how. He was white, Middle right? Eastern. Yes, he was Middle Eastern. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go. Thank you very so much. I I, okay. I appreciate where you're coming from, and I appreciate you coming on tonight. And I know you're very passionate, and that you um, that you want what's best. Uh, so everybody has different aims and different ways to get there. But I appreciate. Oh, what different aims would you have? Everyone, you want what's best. Everyone has different aims. Well. What's your aim to ensure that the American people, what, just stay in their place? That's what her aim is. That's the aim of Fox News. Divide and conquer. Keep people stupid and push their bullshit that keep us divided. You sharing your thoughts? I, I just want tonight. black liberation and black sovereignty Thank by you very any much. means necessary. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Good. Well... Let's, as far as he's, I, when uh, we're talking about Martin Luther King, now let me play this Are you one. Ching? We had the. As, when they bring up MLK, this drives me up a wall. How they are, how they whitewash MLK. They're trying to make the message of Martin Luther King be everybody just, you know, be nice. It's, it, they turned him into Ellen DeGeneres. Be nice. Be kind. If you're sitting next to a war criminal at a ball game, be kind. There's no historical context. Don't worry about it. Just be nice to one another because everything else is working so perfectly, you see. Well, as in the nation, N Nicholas, John Nichols, I'm sorry. I wrote, I said it wrong. John, I'm very self-conscious tonight because of Michael Deason. <laughs> and he's probably not listening anymore because he's said, I don't know. I don't know when. I think he gave that might have he might have left me that message a couple of days ago. And he said he was only going to give it one more show. So I don't know if he decided to pull the plug on the show. And whatever. So I'm very self-conscious. <laughs> Thank you, Michael, for making me feel bad. Thank God my cat is here. All right, MLK, our struggle is for genuine equality, which means economic equality. How come they didn't put that quote up there? 
I don't know. They always got the they some intern went through all of Martin Luther King's speeches. Do you think that they, they and I'm sure they they just use some kind of uh, algorithm. They didn't really read anything, but they found the quote that could be misconstrued that they can twist into all lives matter. Let's be dissatisfied until the day when nobody will shout white power, when nobody will shout black power, but everybody will talk about God's power and human power. And that's why we're talking about everybody in, nobody out. Exactly. And when we say black lives matter, we're talking about, what we're saying is all lives matter. Because if black lives actually mattered, we wouldn't have to say, they, there would be no need to say uh, and well, no, no I, I put that wrong. If all lives actually mattered, we wouldn't have to say black lives matter. And I've explained it before. It's, it's simple. When you're saying black lives matter, what you're saying is all lives matter, motherfucker. So uh, MLK, our struggle is for genuine equality, which means economic equality. 50 years ago, when Dr. King marched on Washington for jobs and freedom, the federal minimum wage was $1.25 an hour. In today's dollars, that guaranteed base would be $9.54 an hour. But the federal minimum wage is $7.25. That's disgusting. Low-wage workers are more than $2 behind where they were when King declared, quote, we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us, upon demand, the riches of freedom and the security of justice. Congressman Keith Ellison, well noted last year at a celebration of, of the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, that workers are falling behind. Income inequality threatens our democracy as Jim Crow segregation did, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1963, explained Ellison. The co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, oh, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, period. Families are working harder than ever and are still struggling to put food on the table. A full day's work doesn't mean a full day's pay. King recognized that wage issues were civil rights issues. Now our struggle is for genuine equality, which means economic equality, he told a rally of sanitation workers in Memphis on March 18, 1968, barely two weeks before his death. For we know now that it isn't enough to integrate lunch counters. What, what does it profit a man to be able to eat at an integrated lunch counter if he doesn't have enough money to buy a hamburger? And what is the worker who prepares and serves that hamburger being paid? That's a question that has been asked frequently over the past year as thousands of fast food workers and their supporters have struck, marched, and rallied to demand better pay, benefits, and workplace protections. 
Most Americans are aware that, especially in a weak economy, fast food restaurants are no longer entry-level positions. In chain restaurants across the country, most workers are adults, and substantial numbers of them are trying to support families. But if they are paid a minimum wage, or even a bit more, they live in poverty. Almost one quarter of all jobs in the United States pay wages below the poverty line for a family of four. CEO compensation, meanwhile, continues to to climb. It would take a full-time minimum wage worker more than 930 years to earn as much as the chief executive officer of Yum Brands, which operates Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC, made in 2012. I mean... Those disgusting fast food joints that keep, I mean, that people buy this, that shit because it's cheap. And it also, it adds to the health issues in this country and especially in poor communities. Fast food workers are the lowest paid occupational category. The median hourly wage for frontline and fast food workers is $8.94 nationally. Many don't even earn that. A shortage of hours further limits income. Fast food workers work only 24 hours a week on average. And at $8.94 an hour, it adds up to barely $11,000 a year. But organizing for better pay for fast food and retail workers does not just benefit those workers and their families. We can't build a strong economy on jobs that pay so little that families can't live on them. Notes the Service Employees International Union President Mary Kay Henry. Raising the floor, the wage floor, will make the economy stronger for all of us. Indeed, argues Congressman George Miller, Low pay holds back our recovery from the Great Recession. With Iowa's Tom Harkin, I mean, this is an older article, obviously. In the Senate, Miller is the House author of the Fair Minimum Wage Act, which would increase the federal minimum wage to 1010 an hour. Let me see something here. It's unbelievable that we're still fighting for this shit. And the Republicans, they don't even want a minimum wage. They want to undo the minimum wage. They think minimum wages are the problem. You should be able to work, well, work what it should, what it is, is that businesses should be able to pay you as low as you accept. That's the Republican way. That the way to compete with low wage, wage slave nations in the economy is not to. I I mean, as far as these free trade agreements are concerned, they their whole agenda is to make the American middle class to compete with those wage slave nations is to earn the same money as those wage slave nations, not to change tax and tariff laws to protect the labor force. No, it's. That's why all of this uh, cheering USA, 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 they could give a shit about USA, USA. You know, Twitler is tickling the, I mean, really, he's exploiting 
the fissures of disunity that were, were created by both parties who sold out the working class with signing these free trade agreements that decimated the middle class of this country. I mean, when you turn an entire section of the country from the manufacturing belt into the rust belt, that's a problem. So, of course, those decimated communities, racism for, for the elites... That's an easy scapegoat. They tell those idiots that, you know what? This country is the greatest country on earth. And if if those others weren't taking advantage, you know, the problem is liberals giving too much, uh, you know, a social safety net. They don't, well, they say uh, welfare queens, and we know what they're talking about. They're talking about <laughs> brown people. So wait, hold on a second. I want to because in fast food restaurants, Norway, in Norway, in other countries, I remember reading this article about the difference between fast food workers here and fast food working workers in other countries. Because in other countries, in Norway in sp- uh, specifically, you can, you can actually live on a salary. You could work for McDonald's in, in Norway, and that could be your career. Let's say living wage Norway... I remember reading this article. Living wages. Son of a bitch. I am subscribed. Let me see. The cat's sitting here. Hold on, guys. Living wages, a rarity for U.S. fast food workers, is served up in Denmark. This is an article from 2014 from the New York Times. We see Denmark that, uh, let's say, that it's possible to run a profitable fast food business while paying workers these kinds of wages. So the article begins, On a recent afternoon, Hampus Elfesson ended his 40-hour work week at a Burger King and prepared for a movie and beer with his friends. We had paid his rent. He had paid his rent and all his bills, stashed away some savings, and yet had money for a night out. That's because he earns the equivalent of $20 an hour, the the base wage for fast food workers throughout Denmark and two and a half times what many fast food workers earn in the United States. You can make a decent living here working in fast food, he said. You don't have to struggle to get by. With an eye to workers like Mr. Elfison, some American labor activists and liberal scholars are posing a provocative question. If Danish chains can pay $20 an hour, why can't those in the United States pay at least $15 an hour? 
that many fast food workers have been clamoring for. We see from Denmark that it's possible to run a profitable fast food business while paying workers these kinds of wages, says John Smith, an economist at the Center for Economic Policy Research, a liberal think tank in Washington. Many American economists and business groups say the comparison is deeply flawed, of course. The problem is greed. They could pay... Of course they can pay workers living wages here in the United States. It's all a matter of who reaps the profits. McDonald's, what does the McDonald's CEO make? Mc... CEO salary. McDonald's CEO compensation in 2019 was almost, wait for it, 2,000 times the average worker at the fast food chain. According to McDonald's proxy statement, the CEO's total compensation last year was $18 million and some chump change. 18, you know, like 12,000 chump change. Unbelievable. How much longer? That's why I ask how much longer? So take maybe a, I don't know, take three-fourths off of that compensation and spread it out amongst the working class. How much more will, will that help this country? Isn't it better to, for have, to have the large majority of working people earn living wages who spend those living wages in the community that keep the economy going and rather than giving it to one fucking guy? One bloated plutocrat at the top? Who gets to use all that money to buy politicians and corrupt government to write the laws to ensure that it remains that way. So he remains capable of fucking over the working class. This is an outrage. So we, we always hear about Denmark. They say, oh, well, we're too big here. We're too big in the United States to do anything similar. And that I simply call bullshit. Complete and utter bullshit. We're too big? No. We're too corrupt. And that's the bottom line. Trying to compare business and labor practices in Denmark and the U.S. is like comparing apples to autos, says Steve Caldaria, president of the International Franchise Association a group based in Washington. Oh, I wonder why it's based in Washington that promotes franchising and has many fast food companies as members. Okay, here we go. I didn't even read this article in advance. Denmark is a small country. Fuck you. Give me a break with a fair, higher cost of living. Mr. Caldaria said, unions dominate and the employment system resolves around that fact. Yeah, good. What, what's the difference? Unions dominate? That sounds like a good thing. And 
the workers get to live on the salary? And they say all this bullshit, too. Republicans and right-wingers, they say that people who work in fast food, oh, it's just they, they're kids. No. There's a lot of people, uh, adults working there, seniors, too, because they can't retire. This is really a broken-ass system. But as Denmark illustrates, companies have managed to adapt in countries that demand a living wage. And economists like Mr. Schmidt see it as a possible model. Denmark has no minimum wage law, but Mr. Elfison's $20 an hour is the lowest the fast food industry can pay. Under an agreement between Denmark's 3F union, the nation's largest, and the Danish employers group Horista, which includes Burger King, McDonald's, Starbucks, and other restaurant and hotel companies. By contrast, well, this is another thing that Republicans always cherry pick. They say, well, Denmark has no minimum wage law, but they have many other laws that enforce living wages. So... They don't need it. And I suppose I, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that if they needed a minimum wage law, they would enact it. If the corporations were disgustingly greedy and selfish and they had a propaganda apparatus like we have in this country, keeping us divided along racial lines and conquering us like the goddamn serfs we are, then let me say I'm sure they would probably enact a minimum wage law. So if you want to cherry pick the the policies, then let's take the whole picture. But we know they don't do that. By contrast, fast food wages in the United States are so low that half of the nation's fast food workers rely on some form of public assistance. This is a outrage. An effing outrage. And that's why I'm pissed off. A study from the University of California, Berkeley, found American fast food workers earn an average of eight ninety an hour. As a shift manager at Burger King near Tampa, Florida, Anthony Moore earns $9 an hour, typically working 35 hours a week and taking home around $300 weekly. Can you fucking believe that? What if he was making a, a living wage? He would spend that. The economy would work. It would be humming along. But then the working people might get too uppity, you see. It's very inadequate, Mr. Moore, 26, who supervises 10 workers. His rent is 600 a month, and he often falls behind on his lighting and water bills. As a single father, he receives $164 a month in food stamps for his daughters age 5 and 2. Sometimes I ask, do I buy them food or do I buy clothes? Mr. Moore said, if I made 20 an hour, I might be able to actually live instead of dreaming about living. What a heartbreak, man. Oh, my God. And it doesn't have to be this way. That's the heartbreak. The divide and conquer game. It doesn't have to be that way. 
Mr. Moore's daughters receive health care through Medicaid while he is uninsured because he can't afford Burger King's coverage, he said. I skipped the doctor. He said, adding that uh, he sometimes goes to work sick because I can't miss the money. Welcome to America, this fucking country. Talk about burning the system down. Oh, you want to burn the system down? You're goddamn right. That's the system that bitch is standing in, in her Fox News studio protecting. That system. I'm sorry. It's not coming down because Nancy Pelosi takes a knee. And whether somebody doesn't want to be a patron because of that, I, I am very sorry about it. But whatever. Then... What can I say? Burger King declined to discuss wages or benefits, saying that those decisions were made by its franchise operators. Yeah, bullshit. The company said that its restaurants have provided an entry point into the workforce for millions of Americans. Yeah. Oh, thank you, my lord. It's an entry point into work. Like, you need a fucking entry point. Why don't you pay people what they... Just a living goddamn wage, frankly. You don't earn. That motherfucker earns $18 million a year. He earns that. That's the, that gu- the man with two daughters who gets up and goes to work every goddamn day and serves customers, makes your damn disgusting greasy burgers, all that stuff. That's what makes the this guy be that if they have enough money to funnel into his coffers they certainly have enough to spread around to the workers 18 goddamn million dollars for one fucker one person while the workers in the comp- in the company are on food stamps and we're sitting here we uh, and we're going to be okay with uh, taking down some statues. Okay, if that's what you think, maybe I need to get the fuck out of here. Somebody, anybody in Ireland? I got to get out of here. Can I sleep on your couch? Anybody in Ireland? If you're listening, Ireland, if you're listening, I hope you've received the 35,000 emails I've sent you. Let me come back. I don't know. I'm in a pissed off mood now. Ow. Somebody that I like, someone who supports the show, says I'm bitter. (laughs) You see? Am I bitter? I don't know. Maybe it comes from being born on the wrong side of Reaganomics. I wish I didn't see the forest through the trees. I would love to be able to be like, oh, Joe Biden, he's my man. If he can't do it, no one can. And not be, and just be okay with the fact that, oh, great, no more statues. I wish taking down statues ensured that this man, that who has to decide whether he buys food or clothing for his two children. I wish that solved his problems. That I, I wish 
that that gave him a living wage and woke us up. May I wish that it... All of a sudden, we all realized, okay, great. That's it. That's all that we had to do. Now, look at this. The guy makes... He doesn't make $18 million anymore. He's, he spreads it around to his workers. Look, everyone's working and earning a living wage. Like the fast food workers in Denmark, able to go to a movie. They're not sitting there trying to decide between food and clothes for their children or going to work when sick because they have universal health care, too. Whether they're rich or poor, black or white, they have universal health care. It belongs to all of them. Oh, God. So, true. Well, here's, let's see. McDonald's learned, wait, 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 let me roll this back a little. Danish law does not require fast food companies or their franchises to adhere to the wages requir required by the agreement with the 3F union, but they do because employees and unions pledge in exchange not to engage in strikes, demonstrations, or boycotts. What employers get is peace, said Peter Lyken Nielsen of the 3F union's chief negotiators with McDonald's, and there you go. No justice, no peace. No economic justice, no peace. McDonald's learned this the hard way when it came to Denmark in the 1980s. It refused to join the Employees Association or adopt any collective bargaining agreements. Only after a year of raucous union-led protests did McDonald's relent. And that's how you do it. In interviews, Danish employees of McDonald's, Burger King, and Starbucks say that even though Denmark had one of the world's highest cost of living, about 30% higher than in the United States, their $20 wage made life affordable. True, a Big Mac here costs $5.60 as compared to $4.80 in the United States. Oh, the humanity. I think we'd pay a little bit more for an economy that works for all. But that's just me. In uh, the prices, uh, but it's a price that Danes are willing to pay. We Danes accept that a burger is expensive, but we also know that working conditions and wages are decent when we eat that burger, said Soren Anderson, a University of Copenhagen professor who specializes in labor issues. Measured in Big Macs, McDonald's workers in Denmark earn the equivalent of 3.4 Big Macs an hour, while their American counterparts earn 1.8. According to the study, a prince by a Princeton economics professor, blah, 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 a bunch of names I can't pronounce, and the, da the Danish restaurants are less profitable, with fast, fast food wages in the United States much lower than Denmark and the price of Big Macs in the two countries similar, it must be that McDonald's 
that U.S. McDonald's are more profitable. The higher wages and the higher menu prices help explain why there are 16 McDonald's per million inhabitants in Denmark, but only 45 per million in the United States. McDonald's declined requests for detailed financial data, but it said in a statement that countries where, where it operates have significantly different cost structures, so don't get any ideas. The company added that its franchise operators support paying valued employees, except for workers who are managers. Oh, fuck, there goes the camera again. A worker who is managing and supervising 10 other people doesn't get enough salary that he can earn a he, he he can buy both medicine and clothes or food and clothes and go to a doctor when he's sick or how about a sick goddamn day off McDonald's declined requests oh I already said that the company added that it Franchise operators support paying valued employees fair wages aligned with a competitive marketplace, but we're stupid here, so we don't tell these motherfucking plutocrats who is running the show, who's in the driver's seat. We say, oh, the salary is $8 an hour. Thank you, my lord. Thank you. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's not the system. You know, who wants to burn that system down? Not I. The system seems to be working so wonderfully. Something's in my face here. That's why I keep touching. I think I have a stray... Everything's fucked up. America's restaurant industry predicts a wave of woe if pay were to jump towards Denmark's level. Yeah. Oh, it's just oh the humanity of everyone earning a living wage. An increase to fifteen dollars would limit employment opportunities, and we know that that that's bullshit because many states now, including New York, fifteen dollars is the minimum wage. So they're full of shit. Denmark's high wages make it hard, though not impossible, to maintain profitability. Oh, my ass. We have to acknowledge it's more expensive to operate, but we can still make money, and McDonald's does too. Otherwise, it wouldn't be Denmark. He noted proudly that a full-time Burger King employee made enough to live on. The company doesn't get as much profit, but the profit is shared a little differently. Oh, wow. Imagine that. No, sharing is only for the dum-dums. Remember shared sacrifice? We all got a shared sacrifice when the Great Recession, the second Republican, the near second Republican Great Depression, the Republican Great Recession, and they were all like, oh, we don't have enough money here. We got to cut socialist security and we got to kick people off of all their lifelines because, you know, shared sacrifice. These fuckers wouldn't sacrifice a goddamn lunch in the wine cave, though. That's for sure. But we have to sacrifice. And if the Black Lives Matters movements don't teach us anything, then we're... We're really not paying attention. What it is is that 
we have to keep pushing these fuckers. And you push and you push and you don't give up. Never. Even when they take a knee and take a statue down, that's not it, the end of the story. It's only just begun. We don't want there to be a big difference between the richest and poorest because poor people would just get really poor, Mr. Drescher added. We don't want people living on the streets, and that happens. Oh, wow, I'm sorry. This is the Denmark, uh, the guy from Denmark, and I misread it. If we, if What he's saying is, we don't want people living on the streets in Denmark. If that happens, we consider that we as a society have failed. What have I been saying? Forever. I've said this forever. We should be embarrassed that we let anybody sleep on the street. This country should be embarrassed that anybody goes hungry or homeless or without a doctor's visit or unable to take a sick leave day, even if it's just a mental goddamn health day. It is the mark of a functioning society when you're able to retire or go to a doctor or have uh, $400 in your pocket to spend or take a vacation. What the fuck is that? Jesus Christ, it makes me sick. McDonald's CEO paid its McDonald's paid its CEO almost 2000 times as much as the average worker in 2019 with the executive compensation topping 18 million. And this is from that socialist rag Business Insider. McDonald's chief executive officer was compensated almost 2,000 times what the average worker in the fast food chain earned last year. According to a proxy statement released on Thursday, the CEO's total compensation was $18,012,549. According to the company's calculations, that was 1,939 times more what the median worker made in the same year. McDonald's identified its media employees with an annualizing a month of total gross wages for all employees around the world, including full and part around the world. That's pretty gross. In 2019, the chain found that the media employee by pay was a part-time crew employee who earned $9,000 a year. You motherfuckers. In November, Steve Easterbrook abruptly departed McDonald's as CEO after an internal investigation into his romantic relationship with a co-worker. Easterbrook was replaced by Chris Kempsinski, a current CEO. The company prorated the two CEO salaries, annual bonuses, and other compensation to reflect each man's time served as the CEO. The vast majority of CEO compensation is in bonuses and stock on top of their base salary with a 91% salary based on the company's performance. Kemp Zinsky announced this week that he would take a 50% reduction of his base salary. Oh, how big of him, except he's not reducing his stock prices. So he still comes out looking like uh, the $20 million man. 
McDonald's faced backlash for what consider what critics consider a lopsided pay ratio because things are coming to a head. People are catching on. Uh, on Thursday, California McDonald's workers are part of a Fight for 15 movement, organized store walkouts to protest the company's response. Well, this is this was in April. Of course. Where was I? The response to the coronavirus. It wasn't that long ago, though. According to the Fight for 15, at least three McDonald's workers in Los Angeles have tested positive for COVID-19. That number includes a 56-year-old who worked last week without a mask in a store where another worker had tested positive. Well, 56 years. I thought it was only youth working there. You got to pay them a, a, a training wage. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. McDonald's said in a statement to Business Insider that is continuously evolving our safety programs and modifying processes around the... Oh, fuck off. Whatever. They don't give a shit. We're in big-ass trouble, ladies and gentlemen. This country... I'm... Uh, am I waking some people up? Are some people not bored, hopefully? Bored by my bitterness? <laughs> and my my white privilege? Thank you, Shannon, for your super chat. I'm just going through the super chats. Now, thank you all. Thank you, John. A new patron and prolific super chatter thank you jd i'm really glad you're here and i'm glad you like the show unlike some people who don't like the show anymore and hate me in particular and aren't sharing the show with this is what he said he's not telling anybody about the show because he just can't it's so bad Well, you know, you got Stephanie Miller, at least. You'll always have her. She will never criticize Barack Obama or Biden. She loves when Nancy Pelosi takes a knee. You should support her, I guess. Come on, get up. And, well, I also have a secret. She's not that liberal. Not even that liberal. Let's say not really liberal. But anyway. Sit down, Junior. But I'm here, at least, for some of you guys who like the show. I appreciate the new patrons. Thank you all. I like this challenge. When I woke up today and I saw, oh, look, I didn't get any new patrons, so I guess there won't be a show tonight. And I tweeted out, will we have a show tonight? And then within minutes, I got a new patron. So I appreciate that. So we don't have to, it doesn't have to be one new patron. You could do, there could be more patrons. I want to be able to get to the point where we're doing the show on a daily basis. And the reason I'm pushing patrons is because I have seen it be successful to for others for other 
broadcasters, independent broadcasters. Yes, I can see the chat room, John, he's asking. Do you want to say something to me? Yes, we have liberals praising effing George W. Bush now. This is how bad it's gotten. Oh, and there goes the TV again. I hate that. I don't understand why. Why it stops. Why I can't have nice things. Why people don't like me. I mean, it's all about... Everything is a matter of taste, I suppose. Can't. I knew that I would piss some people off anyway. Especially, I hate the primaries. And in my opinion, we're up against the, the conservative Democrats. Not just the conservative Republicans or the Republicans, period. We're up against the conservative Democrats. And it is because of conservative Democrats why we have a Twitler today. So that's my opinion. What the hell? Something is... Where is my... Who's? Oh, it's you. The cat has his paws on something. All right. As MLK... To get back to the MLK article, let's finish the end. That's from The Nation uh, in 2014. So this is an old article by John Nichols. Organizing for better pay for fast food and retail workers does not just benefit those workers and their families. We can't build a strong economy on jobs that pay so little that families can't live on them. Am I reading the right article? Wait. Yes. Ultimately, hold on, hold on. Trying to get to... At every level, the struggle for meaningful increases in the minimum wage respects the basic premise that extends from Martin Luther King Jr.'s time to ours, helping those who are disenfranchised politically and economically helps all of society. As Congress Miller, who, Congressman Miller, who carries forward the King legacy of linking jobs and freedom, explains it, Better pay will put more money into local businesses and spur economic growth. That's why a living wage is not about asking for a handout. Rather, it's about valuing work. And it's about growing the economy from the bottom up by increasing workers' families' purchasing power. Americans on today's picket lines aren't just standing up for themselves. They're standing up for a stronger America. Hello. Hello, somebody. Of all the celebrations of Dr. King's legacy, few are more appropriate than the struggle, expanding every day, going from strength to strength at the local, state, and federal levels to address income inequality by raising the basic wage for all Americans. Dr. King put it best just weeks before his death when he declared, now the problem isn't only unemployment. Do you know that most of the poor people in our country are working every day? They are making wages so low that they cannot begin to function in the mainstream of economic life of our nation. These are facts which must be seen. And it is criminal to have people working on a full-time basis and a full-time job, but getting part-time income like that, that man with two children we just spoke about. 
deciding whether he buys medicine or food or clothes or food. Hmm. So, I just see the bigger picture here altogether. Anyway, well, here's something interesting, too. And thank you again, John, for another Super Chat for Tara Jr. Jr. Hello. That was a junior. Hey, come here. You don't like that, do you? Did you see? <laughs> this This made me very happy. Not bitter. It made me happy. That it gave me some hope, frankly, that protesters protested in front of Jeff Bezos's house with a with a guillotine. <laughs> That's the best. That gave me hope. We're putting it together. Yes. Definitely. This is from the the Independent of the UK by Greg Grazowski. Protesters set up a guillotine in front of Jeff Bezos's home, <laughs> criticizing Amazon for mistreating employees. That's genius. Let's see. I'll show you what I'm looking at here. There we go. What's this up here? Close that. Look at these, uh, uh, these goddamn ads. Trump Pence. There's a protest outside Jeff Bezos' mansion in D.C. happening currently. Metro Police Department have closed off the street. Look. Look at the guillotine. <laughs> Great. That's what we need. I've often wondered... When it when we're gonna get to the point where and this is what we need to do get in front of these bastards these banksters houses and just start constructing a guillotine. They look out the window. Wait, I'm sorry. And they're like they hear construction noises. Like what's going on out there? Let me see. Sound effects. Let's see. No, that's not a good one. Hammer. I need to get a better library of sound effects. Where is the article? Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Bezos's home in Washington, formerly the city's textile museum, is the largest mansion in the capital worth $23 million. His primary home is in Washington State. He has a home in Washington because he throws parties for the, for, for the representatives. That's what he does. And the senators. Where's Francis Jr. Jr.? He's in the kitchen on the refrigerator. Francis! Francis! Let's see if he comes. Francis! Come here, baby. 
Look, you came. Come here, Bobo. <laughs> He's really a crafty little guy. Come here. Francis, come. Uh-oh. They're behind me. Francis. Well, he comes when he's called, but then he runs away. There he is. There's his tail. By the wall over there. Francis, what are you doing? They just both ran. Now they're going to fight. You're going to hear them fighting, screaming and fighting. A flyer advertising the march on Bezos' mansion called for the end of the abuse and profiteering and to abolish the police, prisons, and Amazon. <laughs> That's genius. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. This has got to get them shaken in their boots. Look, isn't that great? <laughs> Yay. That's what's going to go. Either we have the working class wake up and to the point where we've had enough. And we, we, it won't get to that point, everyone. And Michael Deason in particular, until the Americans of all persuasions understand that we are in this together where i'm not saying you don't understand it but most people don't the class war economic justice is racial justice we have to leave nobody behind all of us we're in this together that has to be our primary purpose i believe Amazon works directly with the police to surveil us, stoking fears, racist fears, in the name of profit. Hello? What did I just say? Doubling down on their union-busting mistreatment of workers, Amazon fired and racially slandered labor organizer Chris Smalls. Join us to tell Jeff Bezos, enough is enough, the flyer read. Protesters have criticized the company for alleging, allegedly mistreating its employees. Of course, allegedly. People are dropping dead on the floor of Amazon. Let's see. Amazon worker. Dead. Yep. Here's 2020. From CNBC, another socialist reg. Sixth confirmed Amazon worker dies amid calls for the company to release data on coronavirus infection. They're not taking any precautions because you're nothing to them. But even before, people were dropping dead from the abusive working conditions, the, un, the, the, the unreasonable demands that they had to run around this, uh, these giant warehouses and drop dead trying to fill these orders as fast as they possibly can you and and as beyond humanly possible eighth amazon worker dies from covid-19 but before the coronavirus 
we've had the stories were about um, Amazon workers dropping dead from exhaustion. From the Guardian, it says, go back to work. Billy Foster died last month after a heart attack at work. The incident was just one in a series of recent accidents and fatalities. That's just one. Jesus Christ. But we knew that. Anyway, that's why Jeff Bezos, he deserves to be the world's first trillionaire? Are you serious? And they they keep us divided. We'll keep playing along with the game. I don't know. I don't want to play the game anymore. I see the Matrix. Here's, let me see, what else? Twitler came out and he was touting the jobs report, of course, because he's full of shit. Let me see. First of all, I want to check in on the chat. How is everybody doing? Who's here? Let me see. I know Michael Deason's not here. Sadly. Do you like the show, anybody? Who likes the show? Anybody like the show? Should I keep doing it? What do you think? Thank you, John, for your super chat. Trust me, I try to quit every 15 minutes in my mind. And then I say, what, what's the point? You know what I mean? It's like an uphill battle. Yep, <laughs> do it in Ireland. I would like to. Play romper room? All right. I see. I want to say hello to Jim and Patricia and Andrea and Darius. Sin City, thank you for being here. Thank you, Andrea, for being here. Patricia, Haiku, John, thank you. Shannon, of course, thank you. Greg, thank you for being here. And Eli, thank you. Who else is here? Sin City, John T. Resist Evolve, thank you for being here. It's the, it's the crew. It's the OG crew is here. Greg, oh, Shannon, thank you for your super chat. Karshwan Butler, thank you. Black people understand that white America, the, okay, let me read this. Black people understand white America better than white America does. Yes. We know white Americans would never vote to give everybody anything, so they wouldn't support Bernie because white people will not. That's what I hear. Covert White Rabbit. Terry Taylor, welcome. Welcome to the show. That sucks. Patricia. Welcome. I don't know. I'm feeling like shit tonight. 
JD, thank you. Low wages are supplemented by Social Security payments in the UK. Yep. Not here, though. We're too stupid to understand that a government should be worked, should, should work for all. We, the government should work for us. And that, like what we were reading in the article from, about Norway, that a society that doesn't function is a reflection on the entire society, that they take it personally. And yeah, I do take this shit personally. It is personal. Because I got to fucking live here. Side Life, thank you. Side Life says, I love this show. Thank you. I don't know. I feel like shit tonight. I'm not well in the mind. As far as, well, nobody cares. Whatever. Just my fucking stinking thinking. All right. Well, we know. What what else should I talk about? There's so many things. Well, I wanted to talk about the job numbers, I guess, just to to keep it simple. Or not not simple, but to set it straight. A couple of things. I took some videos, too, to talk about. Like, let me see. Where is it? Oh, fucking bastard. This is what pisses me off. We'll get to the jobs, but first, here's the Kaylee McKenney lion bitch. Kaylee, why is the president calling Black Lives Matter a symbol of hate? Well, what the president um, was noting is that uh, that symbol, um, when you look at some of the things that have been chanted by Black Lives Matter, like pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, um, that's not an acceptable you. phrase to paint on our streets. Look, he agrees um, that all Black Lives Matter, including that of Officer David Dorn, Patrick Son Underwood, two officers whose lives were tragically taken amid these... What about-ism? All black lives do matter. He agrees no, with they that don't. sentiment. Not to them. What he doesn't agree with is an organization. Then why are you lying? Listen. The chance pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon about our police officers, our valiant heroes who are out on the street protecting us each and every day. That's the fascist way. You need the fascist police force to crack skulls on the uppity working class. And so for the work, it's a lesson. They keep us divided. They, the white working class can look at the black working class and say, as a warning, uh, you're next. If you shut up and, and if you stand up, you'll be next. Just shut up and get back to work. At least you're not them. That's the game that they play on us. So... This bitch, I don't understand how any anybody can vote for Twitler or work for him. The lying that is required to lie for a con man. They have absolutely no integrity. They hate this country. They know what they're doing. You know, some of them are stupid, of course, but some actually know what they're doing. They understand that they are dividing and conquering us. So when she says um, Black Lives Matter is a movement that says pigs in a blanket, fry them in bacon, whatever the fuck, she's full of shit because that thing 
the pigs in a blanket? She's conflating as they do, as the fascists do. The anti-police chant, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. He's attaching it to Black Lives Matter, but this is something that he they continue to mention. First of all, and according to CNN, Trump mentioned the tr- chant twice in the past week while criticizing a plan from Bill de Blasio to paint Black Lives Matter in white and large yellow letters on the front of the street in front of Trump Tower, Trump shithole. Pigs in a blanket, frying like bacon, referring to killing police is their chant. New York City police are furious, Trump wrote. Bullshit. This will further antagonize New York's finest who love, explanation point, well, all caps, New York, and vividly, yeah, they love it so much, especially when they were able to... uh, just be a giant organized crime unit. That's who, that's the fine history of the New York City Police Department. Oh, they love New York so much. When they're able to get away with treating protesters like garbage for the elites. That's why they go into Zuccotti Park and crack skulls or crack skulls on the Black Lives Matter protesters who are walking down the street and then they come up behind them. We've seen the videos and they push people on the street. They push people while they're already down. This this is abuse of power. And the reason the elites don't do anything about it is because they need the cops like any fascist, uh, any system that doesn't work for all, you need the, the heavy hand of a fascist police force to keep people in line. It's the same, I mean, it's, it's as it has always been, from the slave patrols to these fascist out-of-control cops. They're not protecting and serving you and I. They're protecting and serving the broken system. The... Wall Street banksters. That's who they're protecting and serving. So after Trump claimed that de Blasio's plan would create a symbol of hate, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McGenney said that Trump's issue isn't with the words Black Lives Matter, but that he doesn't agree with an organization that chants pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Did you get the memo? that that's the Black Lives Matter chant because I didn't get that memo. Sort of like I didn't get the memo of where to send my Antifa dues since there's no Antifa organization. Where, who Who's the leader of Antifa? Where's the... Where do I... Where, where's the meetings? What time are the meetings? Can I go? Who can I send my dues to? Pigs in a blanket frying like bacon about police officers are valiant heroes. Oh, such heroes! When they're, when they're stepping on somebody's neck. When they're fucking murdering somebody in the street for selling Lucy cigarettes. When they're shooting people in their cars. After they say, uh, excuse me, officer, just want you to know that I have a weapon. I have a permit to carry. I have a license to carry. Boom, 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 boom. Why did you do that? And then you start crying and screaming. 
are valiant heroes who put a knee on the neck of another human being who's crying for his mother and saying, I can't breathe. And they sit there like a fucking with a thousand miles stare with a blank look like a goddamn robot. Yeah, robot for the autocracy, for the goddamn oligarchy. First, first of all, okay? Here's the thing. It says, Trump and McKinney were not making up the chant, but they were leaving out some important context. What else is new? First, the, the words... Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, were chanted at a protest march held by a Black Lives Matter group in St. Paul, Minnesota, in the year 2015. That group, however, was an independent entity, not affiliated with the Black Lives Matter organization. So there's a couple of... It's sort of like when you go to a Trump and Z rally and they're sitting there going, white power... Is that an official statement of the Trump and Z organization? Or is that, uh, I don't uh, abide by any organization that chants white power or zig hell. How come you go to these Trump and Z rallies and they're giving you the Nazi salute? Is that an official statement from the Trump 2020 campaign? So they have to go back in time to pick something that somebody said at a rally in 2015 and associated with the Black Lives Matter organization when no one said, hey, this is our chant, guys, when we get together. Pigs in a blanket, fly them like bake. Who? F- it's like somebody chanted something and they just hold on to it like the little fascist, disingenuous, kiss-up-kick-down, goddamn agents of oligarchy that they are. And we could find no evidence that the chant has been used by the national organization, by any Black Lives Matter groups in New York City area, or the Black Lives Matter activists anywhere outside Minnesota since the year 2015. Not even by the St. Paul group on any other subsequent occasion. Since there have been hundreds of events of loosely connected with the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a sprawling, gigantic movement, featuring many organizations and different people of a wide variety of human beings. We can't say for certain that the chant has never been used by any Black Lives Matter protester on their own whim at any moment since the Minnesota incident, but there is no evidence of this, and certainly not in any New York City protests in recent history, or nor are there any videos. There's no video or recording of anybody saying in our recent history of the Black Lives Matter movement saying pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. This fucking bitch. She's got nerve. But that's who they are. You have to, in order to destroy a country, 
a free democratic nation of laws that perfectly had, had all kinds of promise written in its founding documents, though we have yet to actualize it. But you, you have to be a shameless flunky willing to lie and say whatever you want to do and say to keep people stupid and divided. Because the worst thing that can happen to Kaylee McEnany and her Twitler hero, her master, goddamn the dumb Fuhrer, is that the American people realize that black lives matter means all lives matter. That we're in this together, all of us, every single one of us. That And uh, thankfully, frankly, I see that reflected in the Black Lives Matter movement. It isn't just black people walking in the streets and marching and demanding change. It is everybody, all of us. We all, we're, it's, a, it's a diverse movement. Thankfully, doesn't that give you hope that people recognize that we're, it's our humanity at stake? It's all of us that, every, that when George Floyd had a knee on his neck, it was all of us with a fucking knee on our neck? And they can only get away with it if the idiots fall for the ruse. Kelly McEnany's goddamn victims on Fox News, of course they love it. But the good thing there is that the demographic of Fox News is literally dying. We are leaving them behind in the dung heap of history, that's for sure. And they can't get there fast enough. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how. That's why it's so, you know, the interesting thing about television is all about advertising dollars. We know that. Like, for example, there was a hit show called The Golden Girls that was like a number one show for many years. And it featured four old ladies that were the the main characters of the show, even though it had really high ratings, that show. It also had a, one of the lowest um, advertising rates in network television because of the demographic that watched the show. They were old people. It was uh, a tra- the old people watched it, and old people are hard to sell to because they're stuck in their ways. If you buy a Chevy every five years, like my father used to, you're it's going to be really hard to talk you into um, a Buick or or a Prius. So these old people, they have one way of looking at things. And it will, if they're in that, if that's what they think they're stuck, it's going to, that's why I don't bother trying to talk to them. There's no point to it. They're going to die off. Rightfully so. They need to. That's evolution. We need to leave them in the dung heap of history where they belong. Not not everybody's like that. Not old, just because you're old. But I would assume if you're watching Fox News, because the demographic of Fox News is pretty old. They're in their 70s or something. I remember reading something about this. Let's see. Fox News. Demographic.
the median age of a primetime viewer of Fox News is 68. That's pretty goddamn old as far as the demographic. Uh, the, the prime demographics of the advertisers is those who are younger because they're more influ- influenced. You're able to sell them things. <clears throat> but it doesn't the point what i'm trying to make is that that does not matter though see selling advertising is not really in the business model of fox news nor is it in the business model of rush limbaugh or that's why all this advertising bands and people call up uh Tucker Carlson's advertisers and get them to drop Tucker. It doesn't matter. They don't care. That's not the point. It's not to sell advertising. They're not influenced by that. Propaganda. The return on investment of making people stupid enough to vote against their own better interests including their human interests, their humanity. That's the Fox News business model. Getting workers to vote against their own demise, keeping people divided, having old motherfuckers sitting there listening, saying, oh, burn down the system. The system is working just wonderfully for me. It's those black people. Well, they, and they don't say that like that either. So. I mean, that guy from the villages, the good news was that there were so many other counter-protesters there, too. I love that lady going, fuck you. And then the lady goes, nice mouth or whatever. And she goes, yeah, you, don't, you like my nice mouth? You listen to your president. It's the truth. That's how all Trump and Z rallies need to be met with scorn and disdain. They need to be shamed because they're shameful. And that's why I really enjoy listening when, uh, when with the video that we played with Hawk Newsom from Black Lives Matter, not backing down. Yeah, have the courage of our convictions, of having the courage and the convictions of somebody who is absolutely a thousand percent correct. There is no reason to meet halfway. What are you going to meet halfway? What are you going to decide on when he says Jesus was black? He came from the Middle East. He was described as having bronze skin and and uh, what what kind of hair? Woolly hair. That doesn't sound like blonde hair, blue-eyed swimmers model or something. With a swimmer, no, not a swimmers model. A model with a swimmers physique. It's of course that's been that's propaganda. Who is the power structure? Who's making? What do you think they're gonna make? Uh, they're gonna make art of Jesus, their savior, and he's not going to look like them? Look at the, what they've done to their goddamn sky spook. He looks, not only does he look like them, he's a man. 
and he is a giant version of them. He's a giant version of their own tiny selves. Just as ugly and bigoted and stupid and divisive and worried about everybody's peepees as they are. So we shouldn't apologize. That's why I call this unapologetic liberal talk. Because we're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of humanity. The right side of the working class. The right side of democracy. And that's what that means. Oh, you're just jealous of the rich. You're envy. The politics of envy. No, bitch. It's the politics of having a functioning democracy. You're the politics of selfishness, oligarchy, the kind of system the founders rebelled against, the, the politics of hating America. It's about time we named it and shamed it. They hate America. A liar. This bitch, instead of asking and getting the leaders, the representatives of this country to get together and say, why are people in the streets? What's really going on? Is it the whole system is not working for everybody? Clearly, how do we fix this? She's like, well, pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. Of course, the president, the bitch, the dumb bitch in the White House who squats there despite receiving fewer votes, he believes in Black Lives Matter. Really, he believes in it so much that he had to make a he made a C on every every application of people who wanted to live in his his gross tacky buildings. It mattered then to him in a different way that matters, but but yeah, we don't like. So let's go back to 2015 and pick something that we can we can use to tickle the fissures of disunity. We can conflate and act like faux outraged about. Oh yeah, we don't like when we say pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. Like some some person, some random person at a Black Lives Matter protest five years ago said something. So Twitler is perfectly in all of his rights as a dictator and being con man who received fewer votes to say that Black Lives Matter is a hate group when he's calling the goddamn tiki torch parade that literally mowed over and murdered a, a human being. You know, I thought all lives matter, though. Use the vehicle as an instrument of terror. They were very fine people, though. Very fine people on both sides. What about the alt-left? What about... If I never hear the fucking word what about in my entire rest of my life, it will be too soon. What about the people on the left? This is what I say, why I say all the time that Republicans are infants. What about Johnny? He had a cookie. He had a cookie five years ago and he said, yum, yum, eat him up. 
So, of course, the president, the so-called president, values all cookies. But not the cookie that... uh, Johnny had two cookies. What about Nancy? She had two cookies back three years ago. So don't say, "I, I can't have a cookie. I hate them. That's what we're dealing with, infants. How are you supposed to have a functioning, I can't talk, society when you got a bunch of infants? All races have protested in all 50 states uh, around that phrase, Black Lives Matter. And the president is here calling it a symbol of hate. He's talking about the organization. Um, I would note to you that the greater New York BLM president has said, if this country doesn't give us what we want, that we will burn down the system. And I could be speaking literally. I'd call that a pretty hateful statement. Really? What's more hateful, though, saying, I got mine, I let them die? When asked about, what do you think about uh, someone without health care? Let them die. Saying, oh, I will always protect your pre-existing conditions while being in court. Trying to o- overturn the right to protect pre-existing conditions. I mean, it's just the hypocrisy. It never stops. Pigs in a blanket, fly them like bacon. And five years ago, that's pretty hate. The system. Yeah, that's it. Mark C on the chat, playing on the deep-seated racial fears of the angry black man. Gee, why would somebody want to say burn down the system? Could it be that the system is broken? And he also said that he was he could be talking literally. You know, they didn't use the entire quote. He's like, I it could be figurative. It could be literal. You listen to you take it however you want to take it. That's what he said. But she's not going. She's not going to explain. That's not what she's there to do. She's not there to listen and to make a more perfect union. That's not her role. Her role is to tickle the fissures of disunity. We've been warned about them forever and ever. Amen. I just wonder how much longer, how much longer are we going to take it? I always ask because I get, I never get a satisfying answer. That's why. And thank you, Mark, for your super chat. A token of our affection. Tara, keep going. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I got depressed. <laughs> You're like my therapist. You're like my army of therapists. The show is not growing fast enough for me. That's the biggest frustration in my life. And then when I get listeners telling me I'm bitter that they don't want to support me anymore that they're not telling people about me you know I'm like go to fucking I don't know sorry what can I say 
then I say, should I not do a show? Maybe I maybe I'm not doing any good here. Maybe I'm missing the point. I'm not saying I'm perfect or that I'm not incorrect on occasion. I don't think I'm incorrect, though. That's wrong. I think I am correct. But I understand. I do try overly. That's the other thing. I overly try. I Not, not try. I put myself in other people's shoes to a fault. Seriously. Like, beyond. And it's probably to an unhealthy degree. To... A, to my own detriment. There aren't many white women, I'm thinking, in general, who during the stop and frisk era in this country, I don't know, maybe, maybe white women, were saying when they saw the Bloomberg on TV defending, well, because I live in New York, so in the local news he'd be on there defending stop and frisk, that I would put myself in the shoes of a black man walking down the street and realizing like how lucky I was and also how enraged enraged I would be and enraged I am by the injustice. And I guess I'm not alone. I'm sure other women and other men feel the same way. I understand that my privilege, being a white woman... I never had the experience of being thrown against a wall and frisked against my will. I have had my ass grabbed against my will. I've been flashed. I mean, you probably didn't have a lot of experiences I've had as a woman and a gay woman. And I can also say when you say, when you dismiss Joy reads homophobia as if, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Then I can also say, isn't that a little bit of your blind spot? Right? God damn it. Like, I'm supposed to be like, oh, yeah, well, that's just the way it is. People, people just think that two... Men kissing is disgusting. That's just the way it is. That's the black church. Uh, and that makes it okay? No, I don't think it's okay. Just like it was never okay for white people to, I don't know, say you can't drink out of a fucking fountain. And I'm sure, I mean, I remember my father telling me that when he was in the army... He was in, he was taking a bus. He had to take a bus down south. And he said he never forgot how upsetting it was. And he, my father was a racist. I'll just let it out there. He definitely was. I'm sure he didn't think he was. He listened to Rush Limbaugh, though. He thought that because he would talk about welfare queens and he was, and I used to argue with him all the time. But he told me that. He was on the bus going down south on a when he was in the service, and he said he never forgot it. When they crossed the Mason-Dixon line, the bus driver stopped the bus, 
and turned around and said, all the black people get in the back of the bus. And he couldn't believe it. So he said it was because it's one thing to know about it and to hear about it, but then it's another thing to witness it because he lived up here in the north, in the in New York, in New Jersey. So, yes, whatever. It is what it is. So I don't know. We'll see if Michael sticks around. Maybe he's already gone. Let me see. I'm going to look right now on the list of patrons. Let's see if he's still there. Boom, beep, bum. Do, 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 do. Let me see. May not be. Oh, he's still there. Thank you, Michael. I do appreciate it. Why don't you send me an email or leave me a message on the on the voicemail and I'll send you a one of these mugs. How about that? Would you like that? You deserve it. You've been a long-time patron, that's for sure. Or anything else from the RDT Daily Merchandising Store. <laughs> now I'm just doing a show for Michael. Everybody else, put your fingers in your ears. Don't listen. I'm just kidding. All right. So let's talk about how Twitter is a big effing liar with this goddamn jobs report. There's, it's a little bit more complicated. This is from New Yorker magazine, Josh Barrow. The U.S. added $4.8 million, million, million jobs in June, by far a record for job gains in one month, as businesses reopened and employers and employees returned to work after the depths of the coronavirus-related disruptions in the spring. This report beat expectations and caused the Dow Industrial Average to open up higher by 100 points, hundreds of points. This is good news. That said, there are a couple of reasons to be worried about the near-term outlook for jobs, even if, for reasons I will discuss below, the outlook for jobs and the economy rebounding over the next year remains good. One is that the report showed significant increases in permanent job losses. Most people who have become employed during the crisis have been describing themselves to the Bureau of Labor Statistics as on temporary layoff. That is, they expect to return after some time to the job that they had lost. Unemployment fell sharply in May and June because many of these people did in fact return to work. The June unemployment rate was 11.1% down from a peak over 14%, but the number of people who went who want work but do not believe they have a specific job to return to is going up. Okay? So those are the ones who went back to work, the unemployment rate went down. 
because these were furloughed workers. The others are the those who like me. I was working at, uh, I did a freelance gig. It was a permanent, you know, that's the whole new state of affairs, permalance. But it was good because it was a steady thing and everybody hated Trump. So I really enjoyed my coworkers and all the people I worked with. So anyway, then giant company, they use the coronavirus as an opportunity to fuck everyone over while funneling money into the arms of their CEO. That's what happened. And inflating their stock prices. Thousands of layoffs. They eliminated, eliminated these jobs. Some people were staff. Those, some people were working there 20 years. This is AT and fucking T. These sons of bitches. Okay. What this measure gets, and wait, where am I? Jed Kolklow, a chief economist at the job listing website Indeed, proposes an alternative measure called core unemployment. This includes unemployed people who were permanently laid off or quit jobs or newly entered the labor force. It also includes the so-called discouraged workers who lack jobs and want jobs, but don't have, uh, but haven't actually looked for work in the last four weeks. It does not include workers on temporary layoff. What this measure gets at is how much of the country is going to have to go out sooner or later to find a truly new job. This figure has been rising. It hit 5.9% in June, up from 5% in May. And it's likely to continue to rise as some temporary layoffs turn into permanent ones as more businesses decide to close permanently. I would note, though, that while the rise in core unemployment is bad news, it was inevitable that it would go up because some of the initially temporary layoffs were always going to become permanent, which is such bullshit because it's the, ol- the only thing is that we've talked about it here before that this is a, a uniquely American experience, another uniquely American experience fucking uh sucks to be the working class it's another uniquely american f you to the worker because in every other country this is the only country with the unemployment rate is well not the only other country the other country is brazil it's another country with a fascist dictator so, like we have that are that who are dealing with the coronavirus with this situation by doing nothing. Trump's oh, the only thing he can do is nothing. That's why he sucks. And this is another reason why I hate Trump Banzies, how stupid they are, because they fall for his goddamn stupidity. Trump is a con artist. He's a bullshit artist. He doesn't know how to do anything. He's not, he, and in fact, this morning when they would, I almost wanted to puke when they were, he was giving the statement touting how great the unemployment is and the job number. We're doing a great job. Kept jerking himself off 
on national television. What a great job. Oh, we have the best job. The only thing that's going to be worse is if you put somebody else in this position. Yeah, it's all about his re-election. Bullshit. He, he's not doing anything. That's why he says things like, one day it'll disappear like magic. That's his policy. You understand? He doesn't do anything. One day it'll disappear like magic. And in the meantime, he'll just bullshit about it. He'll just give confidence. He says he's a, this is what it is. He says he's a cheerleader. He's a con man. That's what that means. A confidence man. You give people confidence to fall for your bullshit. You just, you know, jerk them off constantly, regardless of the truth. So if a number comes out and it seems a little better, of course, you ride that baby like, uh, you know, like a goddamn borrowed mule and, and tell these people what they want to hear and hope they believe it. Oh, the jobs numbers, we're doing a great job. What have you done? In fact, because he sucks so much, he has killed more Americans than anybody could ever imagine. You know how he always says, like, like nobody's ever seen, like nobody's ever seen before, nobody's ever imagined it, no one's ever seen it, no one's ever smelled it, it's never been as great, no one has ever thought. He's, no one has ever imagined how many Americans he could kill. In a short period of time. Who would have thought? And when he was like, we knew it was going to be bad. And he was like, hold my beer. You ain't seen nothing yet. I got, I see your 120,000 dead in two months. And I raise you 150,000 dead in three months. That's where it's going. And then we're going to have over, we have already over 2 million Americans sick. And if, oh my God, I grabbed this picture to show you guys. It was a graph. Let's see if I still have it. Of what's, of the coronavirus cases. Here it is. It's a disgrace. Look at that. You you can't see it, probably. The green line. Let me make it bigger. All of the... Oh, this is every other country. UK, EU, Canada, Australia. It goes up. And there it goes down. And look at the United States. Oh, it started going down. And that's when they started having rallies and all the assholes were running around like freaks without masks on and M16s. And look at that. It's going up and up. It's like we never shut down to begin with. Isn't that unbelievable? That's really... That's a disgrace. How bad? Can it get? Look how bad it's getting. That's He's only just begun to fuck us. How many more people are going to die? 
because Twitler is a con man and the idiots are racist goddamn pigs who don't care. And this country is as sick, as sick as any goddamn collection of ghouls that have ever tried to make a country. And the only way we'll ever heal this country is by doing what I say to do. Heal it. You have to deliberately promote policies that leave no one behind. That's how you heal. Yeah, and take those fucking statues down. Of course, take those fucking traitor flags down. Take those statues down. But ensure that's just the beginning. Then you have policies that leave no one behind. That's how you truly show respect. You respect each other. We're in this together. So we fund schools through the general fund, not property taxes. So everyone has a decent school and access to supplies and shit so that we can tr- teach our children regardless of the color of their skin or what neighborhood they were born into, whether they were born in a rich neighborhood or a poor neighborhood. Because guess what? We work in so hard in this country that we have progressive taxation, living wages a high marginal tax rate on the rich that prevents an intergenerational aristocracy. We're working so much. We, ha- we don't have any bad schools anymore. We don't have any poor neighborhoods. What's that? We have enough resources for everybody. Isn't that how that happened? Because we chose, you know, like Gandhi said, enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed. And we have to decide, what's the meaning of an economy? Is it just to make the Fox News, the, the owners of Fox News and their billionaires and the rest of their billionaire pals rich? So Jeff Bezos can be a trillionaire and get his ass to Mars? Or is it to have an economy that works for all. So, let's see. Where... The second area of concern is the deterioration of the epidemic. Oh, God, another hard word. I know I can say it. It's just that I'm tired and everyone, I feel self-conscious. So I'm going to give it a go. Epidemiological. All right, good. The second area of concern is the deterioration of the epidemiological conditions in the part of the country since the surveys that underline the jobs report were conducted. The jobs report measures the employment situation as of the week of June 12th and is therefore already three weeks out of date. Texas and California have reimposed significant restrictions on business activities, especially related to restaurants and bars, and data from OpenTable provide a suggestion that consumer activity has been declining in areas where case counts are rising. Some other economic indicators, like credit card spending, have started showing a worsening trend after more than two months of improvement. So there is reason to expect job gains to slow or even modestly reverse. 
data on weekly employment claims was unemployment claims was also released today as it, as it is every Thursday. These jobs reports usually comes come out on Friday but were released early due to the July 4th holiday. The numbers of new and continuing unemployment claimants continue to look stubborn stubborn stub oh god fucking help me. What is wrong with me? Why can't I talk? Stubbornly high. But I have not been paying much attention to these reports because they have been plagued with data quality problems. As individual state unemployment agencies have struggled to report accurate data at the time of unprecedented utilization. Another report that has merited a grain of salt is the ADP private payroll report put out monthly by the payroll processing firm of the same name in advance of the government report. ADP initially estimated a loss of 3 million jobs in May, far off the multi-million dollar job gain later reported by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So there is anomalies. What do you think? They're fudging the numbers maybe? Who knows? Remember how everything was fake until Twitter came in? The jobs reports was fake and now they're for real. But he's, of course, he's just highlighting what he wants to highlight and suppressing the truth. So this month, essential. So as far as ADP is concerned, uh, ADP initially estimated a loss of 3 million jobs in May, far off the multi-million dollar, I mean, multi-million job gain later reported by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And this month essentially said, oops, and revised its May report to reflect nearly 6 million additional jobs than it had initially counted. So they, it's sort of like when they, after the election is stolen by electronic voting machines, they adjust the exit polls to match the electronic voting machine outcomes. All told, this is mostly a good jobs report and should be described as such, even as it points to some areas of concern, and even as there are some reasons to expect the recovery to slow in the summer. The consensus of economic commentators on the price of the economic recovery Recovery was mostly pessimistic during the spring, and it is worth learning that when the financial markets look detached from your own analysis of economic outlook, pause and reconsider whether maybe the market is right and you are wrong. The initial arrival of the effective medical treatments for COVID-19 may be only a few months away, um, so a serious retrenchment in hospitality and other high-contact industries may not gravely affect the job situation for too long. So there's still reason for cautious optimism about the economy and the job situation, despite some speed bumps. So I will also add, what's, what's a good economy? Do we return to the economy that is, uh, has the, where, where, where? For example, that man we spoke about with two kids have to, he has to decide between food and clothes for his children while he goes to work when he's sick and doesn't see a doctor ever because he can't miss a paycheck, can't miss a day off. 
So I on uh, on top of okay, great economy. Let's get real. It's not a great economy. It never was for us, for working people. It might be good. For, it's good for the rich. It's good for the rich when people are employed, especially when they're working three uniquely American low-paying jobs because they are too busy to get out in the streets. They have to go to work. This is the exact economy the rich love. They get all the gains. They buy the politicians, corrupt government, and the American people are working their low-paying jobs without a day off, without vacation, without being able to get out in the streets. So that's the way they want it. The reason people are in the streets is because of the the coronavirus and the unemployment. People have the time to get into the streets, and they're maybe they're waking up. Maybe the whole coronavirus has opened their eyes a little more to how disgusting this country's economy truly is. It doesn't work. It work. It's not a great economy. It is not a great economy. Do I have to repeat it again and again? Of course, I will. But un- until we all understand this, it's not a great economy when the American people are working full-time jobs. I don't care if they're working at McDonald's and they can't take a sick day and they can't go to the doctor and they can't raise a family. How dare we allow that to continue? It is our duty to fix this broken-ass system and burn it down. That's for sure. Burn it down. And as far as COVID is concerned, you know, here's another horrible, um, really concerning thing that I read about today. And I also, I said, this country, guess what? It's the fun has only just begun as far as COVID is concerned, because I don't know if you've heard that many, we don't know much about the, the COVID, the coronavirus, what we know, you know, we know wear a mask, but many people who are getting um, the coronavirus, they're reporting psychosis, dementia-like symptoms, they're reporting uh, that something is attacking their their brain, basically. That's what's happening. So this article in Science Blog, Stroke, Psychosis, and Dementia-Like Symptoms in Some COVID-19 Patients. A study of 153 patients treated in the UK during the an acute phase of the COVID-19 pandemic describes a range of neurological and psychiatric complications that may be linked to the disease and is uh, published in a Lancet Psychiatry Journal. All the patients included in the study were selected for an inclusion by expert doctors and therefore likely represent the most severe cases. It's not possible to draw conclusions about a total proportion of COVID-19 patients uh, likely to be affected. And this study, and in light of these findings, future research is needed. But researchers say their efforts and their reports... um, 
detail a snapshot of the breadth of neurological complications in COVID-19 patients and should help to direct future research. Okay. So Dr. Benedict Michael, a lead author of the study from the University of Liverpool, said there have been growing reports of an association between COVID-19 infection and neurological and psychiatric complications. Until now, these have been typically limited to studies of 10 patients or fewer. Ours is the first nationwide study of the neurological complications to investigate the breadth of the COVID-19 complications that affect the brain. Researchers set up a secure UK-wide online network for specialist doctors to report details of specific cases. Okay. Professor Sarah Pett, co-author of the study, said... This data represents an important snapshot of brain-related complications, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's get to the meat of the matter. Some 153 cases were reported during the study period. The most common brain complication observed was stroke, which was reported in 77 of 125 patients. Of these, 57 had a stroke caused by a blood clot in the brain. Nine had a stroke caused by a brain hemorrhage, and one had a stroke caused by inflammation of the blood vessels in the brain. Age data was available. 74 of the patients who experienced the stroke were over 60. 39 patients had shown signs of confusion or changes in behavior reflecting an altered mental state. Of these, nine patients had unspecified brain dysfunction, uh, medically terminated encephalitis, long-term follow-up studies are needed. They keep saying that. Of the remaining 23 patients with an altered mental state were diagnosed with psychiatric conditions, no, let's see. Uh, although most psychiatric diagnoses were determined as new by the notifying psychiatric psychiatrist, I mean, the researchers say that they cannot exclude the possibility that they were undiagnosed before the patient. So this is just the really a uh, breakdown of the study. So they say our study is an important early step toward defining neurological complications in the COVID-19 patients. So my the reason I'm bringing this up, too, is because this is... They're saying... I also read something about... They're talking about COVID patients, how we don't know the full picture here of COVID-19. And in the future, and what's really concerning is that Many of these patients who have survived COVID-19, they might develop neurological complications 20 years from now. So you think that you're, you survived and it's just, oh, it's just the flu. But then you get, you might end up with early onset Alzheimer's or some other neurological condition. And in this goddamn country, this kiss-up, kick-down with a for-profit health insurance racket, what do you think will happen with the for-profit health insurance racket 
now that you have COVID-19 and if Twitler is successful and we don't have Medicare for all and he's able to ensure that the that that the for-profit health insurance racket can once again discriminate for pre-existing conditions who's to say that 20 years from now that you're not going to be they're not going to exclude you oh you had covid-19 so there's nothing we can do about your aneurysm sir you're going to have to pay out of pocket or there's nothing we can do about your stroke oh well And there's another reason why we must absolutely, we have to have Medicare for all, period, end of sentence, and get the for-profit health insurance racket out of our miseries once and for all. You know that's what's going to happen. You had COVID-19 20 years ago. And that's why these dum-dums, these idiots. I don't know if you heard about these kids. They're having parties, young people. Some, well, they're obviously the children of Trump and Z's probably. They're having parties to give each other coronavirus. Let's see. Nineteen party. Alabama. Alabama. What a surprise. Alabama students throwing COVID-19 parties to see who gets infected. Students in Tuscaloosa, Alabama have been diagnosed with COVID-19, have been attending parties in the city and surrounding areas as part of a disturbing contest to see who can catch the virus first. You see what happens when you have a bunch of fucking con men and uh, uh, who are running a political party, who who own this government. You can't bullshit your way out of a virus. Honestly, this is natural selection. Good. Let them. This is the problem, though. You know, I say let them get it, but then it's they'll they'll be harming decent people. That's the problem. The unforeseen consequences. Students have been organizing COVID parties as a game to intentionally infect each other with the contagion that has killed more than 127,000 people in the United States. She said she recently learned of the behavior. This is a doctor saying, and she informed the city council of the parties. (laughs) She said the organizers of the parties are purportedly inviting guests who have COVID-19. They put money in a pot and they try to get COVID. Whoever gets it first gets the pot. They're intentionally doing it. Tuscaloosa Fire Chief Randy Smith told the council on Tuesday that he has confirmed that the students are engaging in this careless behavior. In a briefing to the to the city council, Smith expressed concern in recent weeks that he have been parties held throughout the city, 
Well, what do you expect when you have, this is Alabama you're talking about, the, the home of Trump banzees. They're all, I'm sure there's Trump 2020 signs everywhere. It's a hoax, right? Unbelievable. I don't know if you saw, I, well, what do you expect when you watch the Florida city council meetings with people t- screaming at the council people about wearing masks? Here's here's this uh, this guy from Florida. Thing. He won't be muzzled like a mad dog. Okay, I have a serious health problem. I cannot wear a mask. Sir, a I need mask you, will. Sir, I need you to state your name for okay, the record. Okay, Richard Elizal. And these tests have been made. Masks will diminish your oxygen level that you bring into your body by 3%. That goes from 20% to 17%. And if you want to be sick, you want to lower your oxygen level. And if you want to be sick, you want to be scared. You want to be terrified. And that test, that PCR test they're using for this virus was created by a man called Kerry Mullis. <laughs> and Kerry Mullis emphatically stated, wow. this, these tests cannot be used to detect free infectious viruses. Maybe that's why everybody's testing positive and nobody's getting sick. It's a bogus test. And we shut down the world. Do you hear the people in the background? Right, yeah. You tell them. On the basis of this bogus test, and we're going we're gonna to muzzle me like a mad dog? Yeah. Then you people ought to be ashamed of yourself to believe all these lies. And look at the look at the death rate in the United States over this last flu season. It's less than it was last flu uh, this this flu season. It's less than it was last flu season. And look all over Europe the same way. The death rate is actually a mild one for a flu season. That's what we need to look at. How many people are dying? And how many people are dying of this? Not of heart attacks and cancer and strokes and everything else. And then we chalk it up to COVID. That is sick. We are being lost. Do you hear the people in the background, though? They're like, yay, you tell them. Yay. Our freedoms are being taken forever, and I will not be muzzled like a mad dog. And I will not have my (laughs) health destroyed because you idiots can't figure, can't read truth. You go along with the lies and can't. can't read truth. Well, where are you getting that truth? Well, you know where. Breitbart. Cancer and strokes and everything else, and then we chalk it up to COVID. That is sick. We are being lied to. Our freedoms are being taken forever. And I will not be muzzled like a mad dog. And I will not have my health destroyed because you wow. idiots can't figure, can't read truth can't read truth and he's getting more agitated because the people behind him are encouraging him yeah yeah you tell him tell him the truth nobody reads the truth they don't know about all of the that uh, what's his name the bill gates is implanting us with the coronavirus so we our voting Democrat party. And we won't care when the legals come in. Just shut the borders. 
to the caravans and we'll all have freedom, you idiots. Read, why don't you? And say no to drugs, apostrophe S. Like a mad dog. (laughs) And I want to have my health destroyed because you idiots can't figure, can't read truth. You go along with the lies that are the people who are trying to take down our freedoms and destroy our country. This is and, sick. And destroy you our country. You ashamed yourself for being a part of this. And I will not be muzzled. And, my, and it's time for us to stand up for our freedoms. Just, if we stand back and let these pieces of crap handle our freedoms, we will have nothing left. In fact, we'll end up being dead. <laughs> wow, how succinctly. You have wrapped it up. A scintillating comment, sir. Thank you. We will end up being dead. Well, that's where we're all going to end up anyway. And quicker. We'll be there quicker thanks to Republican government. Republicans love Jesus. They they want you to meet him. How quick can they get you to meet Jesus? Unbelievable. So here's one more article. We have so many articles. I hope you like the show. I hope Michael Deason still likes the show. I appreciate his comments, even though they make me sad and self-conscious. So please become a patron. Remember, maybe we'll do a show tomorrow. I know we have to do a show on Saturday. Saturday... It doesn't matter that it's the 4th of July. Bob Kincaid is coming on the show. There will be a show on Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. But do you want to show? I don't know. Maybe you don't want to show. Maybe you're sick of me. I'm fucking sick of me. That's for sure. Or maybe you like shows. Maybe you're crazy. Maybe like I, I, I was saying yesterday how... It's like every day I listen to Mike Malloy and I've been listening to Mike Malloy for 20 years more or more. Who knows? I can't remember how long it's been. And my my life doesn't seem the same without if I'm not listening to Mike Malloy. So maybe I'm hoping we get to the point where people are like, oh, I want to listen to Tara every day. So we'll get enough patrons. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to push the patrons so we can get to the point to have a daily show. The only reason I'm able to do the show right now, and you know this, is I don't know what's going to happen. All right? The reason I I explained to you, I told you, I was honest, because I work as a freelancer That's my lot in life. My goal is to, you know, I have to hustle up work. So I had a steady gig and it was working quite nicely until we were canned, all of us. Thank you, corporate greed, basically. And so I have to get another gig. So I don't know where that's going to take me, frankly. So I thought, well, in the meantime... What I, I, I'm still wrapping up with them, so I'm not quite done. 
And when the show, and of course, because we've been home, everybody's been working from home. So I've been able to do more shows. So I don't, but I don't know what's going to happen. But I thought, okay, let's try to make, let's try to make lemons out of this or lemonade out of this lemon shit and do as many shows as possible and really push the patrons because, and really get this show cooking with gas maybe because I see how other, other uh, liberal talk shows are able to have a daily show and that's really what you have to do. So it's like a double-edged sword. The more content, the more people you find that subscribe, you know what I mean? So you need to keep putting out the content so you find your community. And I really like our community. And I know that we can grow the community. And I thought, all right, because I have the goal to make the show a daily show. And that's always been my goal. So, But I'm trying to do it, I don't know, quicker. Why not? Maybe this can be. Uh, the 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 thing I do every day. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what's required. We all have our roles to play. So if I'm able to to talk and put on a show every day, some people, you know, that's not your forte. Some people hate public speaking. And I'm public speaking. I got to tell you, I used to be like you too. I hated that. I... I told you my story, but because I'm in recovery, the only reason I'm able to, I was able to do stand-up comedy and do a show and sit in front of you guys and talk without feeling self-conscious. I mean, I feel self-conscious sometimes, only when I get fans or Michael sends me an email or, or leaves me a voicemail saying that he doesn't like me anymore. And and I get self-conscious, but I um I'm only able to do that because of being in recovery. That's where I learned and I thought, "Oh, okay." Cuz when I used to share, you know, in the community of recovering people, I would share, you know, that's what you do. You raise your hand, you share your life and what's going on and what I noticed, like people were laughing. So that's how it began. And then I stopped having the, uh, I stopped having the self-consciousness because I just, I don't know. Like it was really a gift of recovery. So, I mean, it's a long story. It's too late to get into the whole story now, but I'm sure I'll tell you again. And anyway, that's why I'm doing the Patreon challenge where if we get a patron, and we'll do it again. If there is a patron, another patron, tomorrow by 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'll do a show. Why not? If not, I'm going to take a night off. But I think we can do it. Other shows, like I'm saying, there are other shows that aren't as interesting as this show, <laughs> I feel, in my opinion. And they have like, I'm thinking of one show in particular. It has like 12,000 patrons. Hello. Hello, somebody. And I think this show is more interesting because we do 
talk about real shit too. It's not just like I'm sitting here like I'm so great. We're talking about I, I'm talking about it all. We talk about being an addict, being in recovery, you know, what else? Being fucked up, living on the wrong side of Reaganomics, being the daughter of a nun and a garbage man. What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, David Pakman. He's got a lot of... I wasn't speaking of him in particular, but yes, he's another one. He's got a lot of... Um, a lot of patrons. But there's another guy who has a lot of patrons. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? How'd that happen? But he's been at it for years, though. So... Oh, before I go into the last article... Since we've been doing like a four-hour show every night, every night I say I'm only going to do a two-hour show, and then it turns into four. So I think if you like that, you don't have to listen to all four hours, I suppose. But if you appreciate that kind of liberal content, and ultimately the goal is to change this country for the better. Otherwise, what's the point? So maybe you're getting through your day and you just want to listen to, to talk and learn about what's going on instead of having to sit down and read the articles. We're, you know, we're putting it together and bringing the receipts. So I got, a, I got con contacted on Facebook by Greg Pallast, who is a Facebook friend. I have asked him to be on the show. Yes, we'll see what happens. People generally don't respond <laughs> sometimes when I ask them to be on the show. It's annoying, yes. Anyway, he has a book. I'm asking you. I don't get anything for this book. I'm not getting a kickback, but he has asked to pre-order his book. So if you go to Amazon, let me see if I can put the link in the chat here. He wrote a book, How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters. And he wants to get as many people pre-ordering this book as possible so they, the, the corporate media can't ignore it. So he says, I'm locked down. He says, hey, Tara, I'm locked down and suffering because I should be in Wisconsin investigating another phony voter purge. So I'm writing to ask my friends to ask you to do with it, uh, to do with to, to do two things. One, pre-order my new book now so we can immediately get on the New York Times bestseller list. It ships on July 14th. The publicity will help us expose how the election is being stolen right now and explain how we can steal it back. And that is the truth. He is, that's what Greg Palace does. He exposes these, the voter suppression, the voter purges going on in this country and how the, 
Republicans are squatting in the White House despite receiving fewer votes and partly because of voter suppression and voter purging and uh, redshift in electronic voting machines, all of this stuff. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's happening. You know it. So his second ask, and I'll put this link in, is to watch this video and share it with your friends. Help me get the word out how to beat the ballot bandits. I'll put that in the link in the chat, but I'll also share it on in the description when the show is over. I'll also put it on the Discord page. So here's a little more about the book. He says the 2020 election is not being stolen from Joe Biden. It is being stolen from you, from we the people who marched to the polls believing America is still a democracy, the land of the brave, the home of the free, and that our votes count. But panic not. We can burst this ballot burglary and unsteal this election. There are specific steps you can take to protect your vote that I put in my new book, How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters. Want to know how who owns your ballot? Then get this book right now by ordering it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. So, bookstore buyers are looking for numbers and we need to hit the bestseller list. So, press cannot ignore it. All right. There you go. Well, he also says, I, I guess this is for anybody. As a special thank you, if you order this book within the next five days, I'll give you a free ebook version of the best democracy money can buy. Send a screenshot or phone photo of your receipt to download at gregpalast.com. All right. Buy the book and send an email of your receipt to download at gregpalace.com to get a free ebook of the best democracy money can buy. What do you think? Sounds like a deal. I already pre-ordered it myself. So, all right, last thing until we sleep. And before you go and go be a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin, if you want a show tomorrow, maybe you don't want a show. I don't know. Maybe you've had enough. I don't know. Do Americans how... <laughs> Here's an interesting article. Do Americans understand how badly they're doing? In France, where I live, the virus is under control. I can hardly believe the news coming out of the United States. This is from Thomas Chatterton Williams, author of the book called Self-Portrait in Black and White. It's heartbreaking. I returned to Paris with my family three months after President Emmanuel Macron had ordered one of the most aggressive national quarantines and one month after France had begun to ease out of it. When we exited uh, the Gare Montparnasse into the late spring glare, 
after a season tucked away in a rural village with more cows than people as neighbors, I was, it was jarring to be thrust back into the world as we'd previously known it, to see those cafe terraces overflowing again with smiling faces. My first reaction was one of confused frustration as we drove north across the river to our apartment. The city had been culled of all its tourists, though it was bursting with inhabitants basking in their reclaimed freedom. Half, at most, wore masks. The other half, invinced indifference. We were in the midst of a crisis. I complained to my wife. Why were so many people unable to maintain even minimal discipline? Glued as I am to news from the U.S. where I was born and grew up and travel frequently, I couldn't shake the feeling that France was also opening a, up recklessly early. But I was wrong to worry as Donald Trump's America continues to shatter records for daily infections, France, like most other developed nations, and even some undeveloped ones, seems to have bent back the virus. The numbers were not ambiguous. From a peak of 7,581 new cases across the country on March 31st, and with a death toll below 30,000, at one point the world's fourth highest there were about 526 new cases on June 13th, the day we masked ourselves and took the train back to Paris. The caseload continues to be small and manageable. America, however, is an utter disaster. Texas, Florida, and Arizona are the newest hubs of contagion, having apparently learned nothing from the other countries and states that... Pr- oh, shit. Hold on. Fuck. You don't hear that, but something is blaring in my ear. I know what it is. It's the fucking Facebook. That's what it is. Just like started blaring in my ear. All right. From a peak of 7,581 new cases across the country on March 31st and a death toll now below 30,000 at one point, the world's fourth highest. There were just 526 new cases on June 13th, the day we masked ourselves and took the train back to Paris. The caseload continues to be manageable. America, however, is an utter disaster. Texas, Florida, and Arizona are the newest hubs of contagion having apparently learned nothing from the other countries and states that previously experienced surges in cases. I stared at my phone in disbelief when the musician Roseanne Cash wrote on Twitter that her daughter had been called a liberal pussy in Nashville for wearing a mask to buy groceries. That insult succinctly conveys the crux of the problem. American leadership has politicized the pandemic instead of trying to fight it. I see no preparedness, no coordinated top-down leadership of the sort we've enjoyed in Europe. I see only empty posturing. The sad spectacle of a president refusing to wear a mask just to own the libs. What? An astonishing self-inflicted wound. On June 26th, the day when the U.S. notched 
some 45,000 new cases. How's that for American carnage? The European Union announced it would loosen some travel restrictions but extend its ban on visitors from the United States. On Tuesday, it confirmed that remarkable and deeply humiliating decision, a clear message that pandemic management, the EU believes that the United States is no better than Russia and Brazil, autocrat-run public health disasters, and that American tourists would pose a dire threat to the hard-won stability of our lockdown. This is disgusting. So far, the, the, for the myth that the American political system and the way of life is the model of the world, or for the world, we didn't stay long in the city, although the chance of contagion in Paris is minimal. We thought of unnecessary risk and, and were unnerved, and we decided to leave for another round of self-imposed confinement. But this was a choice. I think of my mother and father trapped in New Jersey in their 70s and 80s, respectively, and at the mercy of a society that is failing extravagantly to protect them. And it is failing to protect them not from some omnipotent enemy, as we believed in March and perhaps even in April, but from a tough and dangerous foe that Many other societies have wrestled into submission. I think of my father, whom I realize I may not see this calendar year or possibly even the next, and I picture him housebound indefinitely, unable to experience the pleasure of uh, a book browsing, bookstore browsing. I think of my mother, who is missing her grandchildren's birthday and watching them grow tall in FaceTime. And I imagine her leaving the house at dawn to arrive at the grocery store early uh, for hours for seniors. I'm infuriated. I'm also reminded once again of the degree to which so many other countries deliver what is in real terms a palpably higher quality of life by any number of self-evident as measures. America is my home. I have not emigrated. I've always found the truest expression of my situation in James Baldwin's label of the transatlantic commuter. I've lived in France on and off since the early 2000s and have been instructive. It's been instructed over the decades to glimpse America's stature reflected back to me through the eyes of a quasi-foreigner. If the country sparked fear and intense resentment under George W. Bush and mild resentment mixed with vicarious pride under Barack Obama, what it provides under and provokes under Trump has been something entirely new. Pity and indifference. We are the pariah state now. But do we even see it? There's your American carnage, Trump Anzies. How dare you? And that's why I say every day Republicans hate this country. They hate it. They are destroying it. You don't treat something you love and you want to cultivate. You don't treat it like this. You don't look 
at rising coronavirus cases and say, wearing a mask is an insult to me. You don't say that, you know, some a blip in jobs numbers is the measure of success while the cases of coronavirus are going through the roof yet again. And the country's children are having coronavirus parties because of your fucking stupidity. They did that to us. Republicans. They've made us the laughing stock. It was bad enough they made us the laughing stock of the world during George W. Bush. But now, as the writer says in The Atlantic, we are the world's pariah. God, how much longer? How much longer are we going to take it? All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching this bitter bitch and this boring show and for being a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. If you want the show to continue and you think it's worthy of continuing, maybe you don't. I get it. That's your choice. The world is our mirror. If I go on Patreon and I see no patrons, I'll say, shit, nobody likes my show. I'll fucking fuck off now. Thank you very much. Or if I see patrons, I say, okay, some people like the show. I guess I'll keep doing it. Maybe there's more people who appreciate, and not, not that I need appreciation, but or who, you know, think the show is worthy of their time that to me says i i appreciate you you know what i mean there's so many other things you can be doing the fact that you're here that you're enjoying the show whether you enjoy it live or not you might be watching it after the fact or listening on the podcast which i know many of you do after the fact they're not in the chat but there's others if you feel the show is worthy and should continue, become a patron, and I will, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. I'll continue to do the show until that day comes when everybody says, you know what, bitch, I'm sick of you. You're, go get a, do something better with your time. Maybe I'll become a conservative commentator. No, I'm only kidding. I would never. I would ne- I couldn't do it. Oh, but it would be easier, wouldn't it? Then I'd find I'd I'd get a billionaire benefactor like as quick as you could say diamond and silk. So, all right guys. You guys. Thank you John. I see I didn't know this was on YouTube until this week. That's great. That's why We do as many shows as we can so we can spread the word. The more people who know, the more people will enjoy. Uh, Is it enjoyment? Uh, All I know is that when I listen to Mike Malloy and when I do the show too, I have to tell you, the show helps me mentally because it makes me feel like, no, it's not in vain that it is that really things can change. There are many of us. We are legion. I know there's more of us out there. That's why 
I know that they will enjoy the show. And it's not just enjoy. Is this an enjoyable show? I think the whole thing is like an experience that we're in this together and we're not just commiserating, I feel. I could be wrong, but I feel it's not just commiserating. We're kind of planning. Uh Uh-oh. What's going on? Oh, they're fighting. Stop it. Let me see. Wait. See, I'm wearing shorts. Yes. It's hot in this bitch. What do you want? All right, guys. Yes, so we're not just commiserating. And it is like therapy. It feels like therapy for me. Because I feel like, okay. Look, they're fighting. Stop it. (laughs) You don't listen to me. It is cathartic. Exactly. They're just rolling on the floor, John. That's what they're doing. White legs, too. (laughs) I know. I haven't been out of this house. I got a ghostly pallor. I feel like, feel disgusting, really. I feel disgusting. Thank you for letting me share. So hopefully there'll be a new patron waiting in my mailbox in the morning or sometime during the day. I got to dye my roots. I wanted to see how gray my hair was. That's why I stopped dyeing it on the top. I don't have a lot of gray, but I wanted to see what was how much gray. It's not that bad, but you could see the roots. I need to dye it. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow before the show. If there's a show, there might not be a show. Somebody has to become a patron. That's how we're going to have a show. It's not like we run out of shit to talk about. That's for sure. So if they want to... If you guys want a show, somebody who's listening, who's never been a patron, who's never joined our chat, maybe they'll just take that extra step like John did and Laura and Sam and Lori and John T and Linnell and another John and Peter. And Uncle Smokey. Right? And Ethan. And Daniel. And Brownwyn. And of course, Greg. Many, many patrons. Maybe tomorrow I'll read the whole list. All right, guys. What if I up my patronage? Does that count? I don't know. It can't count. You can. Maybe I'll... We'll depend tomorrow. See how I feel. I would prefer a new patron. Only because... Not that you're not amazing. I would prefer... Because we need more patrons. That's just the bottom line. The more patrons, the more people will... The more the show will grow. That's how it works. And it's also validation that it is reaching newer people. 
not that the old people, it's like, keep your old friend. Well, how's that saying go? Make new friends, but keep the old. Some are silver, the other gold. Right? So you're gold. You're the OGs. You're the rocks. All right, it's almost midnight. Holy shit, what did I do? Thank you, guys. Well, this is the world we live in. I could go on for another fucking four hours if you let me. But I have to sleep. I like sleeping as well. I like unconsciousness. That's right. Keep your, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other gold. Right. One is silver, the other gold. Exactly. That's how you say it. John. Exactly. Guys, you are great. Thank you for keeping me going. And even when you're making me feel bad. So thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. At least, you know, Michael, it means a lot that Michael cares enough to pick up the phone and leave a message. That says a lot. Whether he wants to share the show with his friends, he can't he can't bring himself to do that. I get it. Even if you don't want to be a patron anymore, I hope you continue to listen. All right? You don't completely leave forever and even if you leave come back all right all right guys i will see ya we'll see what happens my name is tara devlin thank you so much for hanging out and giving me hope in this this horrible time let's hope we'll see what happens become a patron at patreon.com slash tara devlin and perhaps maybe we stick together, we win. I will see you, maybe, tomorrow.